Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's time for the Sports Animals on this here Bobby Curran show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, coming up this hour, we're going to get more into college football. Uh, University of Hawaii football is uh, uh, on a bye, but we do have Rainbow Wahine volleyball coming up on the road. Uh, we'll get into that. But our top headlines today, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is questionable for Thursday. He seems pretty optimistic, but Coach uh, says, eh, questionable. And I'm glad in a way that he's questionable because after what we saw on Sunday and the quick turnaround, you would almost expect that Tua also commenting how he, he has faith in Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Skylar Thompson would be the backup who had a great preseason. I'm just hoping he's healthy and it's a long season. Don't rush him back. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the New York Yankees have clinched the AL East, and that leaves uh, only the NL East undecided. Well, you know, we talked to the Yankees. We, who cares about the Yankees? No, that was great. Uh, they had a couple of struggles here and there, uh, but they clinched the division, which is almost a formality for them. Now they're just trying to get uh, in right in the right shape for the playoffs, being healthy, get their pitching in shape, and get maybe the pressure off of Aaron Judge. Because I, I think he may be feeling it a little bit stuck, as everybody says, on 60 home runs. Come playoff time, it's a new season. Right, and yeah, he did walk four times yesterday. <laughs> I wish they would just come out. And just, you know what, you guys, just play baseball. What do you say? It's like go out and pitch to the guy. You know, have that badge of honor. Like, yeah, this guy's going for sixty-one, and I struck him out. Instead, it's like, oh no, walk him. I don't want to be the guy in the history books. Just play baseball. All right. Uh, finally, our third headline: the University of Hawaii football moves down, which is a good thing in the bottom ten. Yay, we're not number one. We're not number one. That's a good thing in this in We're this not case. number two either. We're number three. <laughs> right. We, we advanced with a loss, it appears. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad they were, they're were. they not number one, and I really thought they would be after last week. Uh, I know Colorado State is maybe proving that they are even worse, but I'm glad for Hawaii, and I'm a little surprised uh, as well. Yeah, okay, so Colorado State, uh, they haven't won a game. They're 0-4. I think they move up to number one as the worst team in the country because they lost. Not only did they lose to Sacramento State, was that that was a home game? Yes, that was a home game. They lose to Sacramento State at home, but they get trounced forty-one to ten. Yeah, I mean that. that I've never again. It's like a lot of other games. We didn't expect it's one thing to lose, but they were never in that game. It was kind of over early and at home. Wow. Yeah, and uh, you know it. (laughs) They. I'm sure Colorado State's like, yeah, we got a new coach. Woohoo! It's Ram time. Or, you know, there's some kind of slogan going around, you know, the Ram Hood. We're Ram Ram Hood. We're all brothers. Let's get the most guys in state to stay home. 
I don't know. And, uh, yeah, so they're <laughs> – you know, are, are they try- – I wonder if they're rethinking their hire. I know we're not. But if they're rethinking, okay, we got the Nevada guy. What's his name? What's his Jay name? Norvell. Jay Norvell. It's like, um, I don't know, Coach Rolo. They, they should have just got Coach Rolo. They are not ramped tough right now. That's for <laughs> sure. But now Colorado, something about Colorado is number two. Uh, they're 0-4. I highly doubt that they should be. You know, Colorado is the second worst team in the country. When you but, talk about FC, FBS teams. Yeah, and they always have fun with that. But I can understand why they'd be there by history of those rankings, those uh, the bottom ten. They are just really, really bad. The fact that they're in a Power 5 conference and should be a little better, I can understand why they're at least in the bottom ten. Yeah. the uh, <laughs> This is what this is the, they write about. The writers write about Colorado, and they call it Colorado. Duh. Colorado. It says, the Buffs also ralphied up their fourth loss of the year, spurring state officials to explore putting together a last-minute edition of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. It's not being played this season. However, instead of holding the contest inside Empower Field, home of the Denver Broncos, it would be played next door in the parking lot where Mile High used to be. <laughs> and, and then uh, number three, huh, why? Yeah, Hawaii says the Warriors lost a pillow that lost the pillow fight of the week. Episode one at New Mexico State, 45 to 26. No offense to San Diego State and Nevada, but our eyes are already on Hawaii's October 22nd trip to Colorado State. We tried to get a hotel room in Fort Collins for the weekend, but it's all booked up. We're assuming that's college game day planning ahead. <laughs> yeah. Be there. In a so perfect bad. world. Um, uh, UMass is number four. Uh, Arc of We Lost to Raiders. I guess a bunch of teams named the Raiders are number five. UConn, perennial uh, favorites in the bottom ten called You Can't are there. Akron or Acrimonious is at number seven. Ball or Baller State is number eight. And moving all the way down to number nine from number one, whoo, Mexico State. New Mexico State moves down to number nine. Hey, and you know what? Who do they got coming up? They have, they have, oh gosh, another, they have another bit really bad team coming up, I guess. So they win. New Mexico State wins. They go to two and four, and they're all of a sudden out of the bottom ten. That's crazy. That's crazy talk, I know. Wouldn't you actually like it as a UH fan, the more New Mexico State wins, the less that loss looks as bad as it did, at least from last Saturday. Yeah, I was thinking that, too, until Vanderbilt played Alabama. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's true. Number ten on the bottom ten, just eking in this year. The rambling wreck, <laughs> Georgia Tech. It is a wreck, man. They, uh, you know, Paul Johnson is not walking through that door. Uh, maybe they get Kenny Niamatololo to go to Georgia Tech and uh, you know bring bring that offense back. Uh, on the waiting list, Georgia State, not Southern. <laughs> North by Northwestern. Hey, Fresno State's getting also is also getting votes. Arizona Skate. Uh, let's see. Uh, Louisiana Tech. 
Arkansas State and a, a What Utah about Nebraska? State. Nebraska's not listed there? No, uh, I'm sorry. You mean Nebraska? Nebraska. Nebraska is receiving votes as well. But anyway, just for fun, this is this is um, what they observe on the college football bottom ten so far. They, this is are they they um, they kind of um, stewing in the mediocrity of some of these teams. So far this season, there are three teams with no wins, twenty-seven teams with one win. How many college football teams are out there? FBS. One hundred and thirty-one, I believe. FBS. Something now. like that. So. So 27 only have one win. Seven teams have four losses. Woohoo! 31 teams with three losses. 12 losses by top 15 teams. Wow. Anyway, there's your there's your there's your dose of negativity to start your morning with here on ESPN Honolulu. Not really. I mean, you know, I think that uh, again, we're, it's the process of rebuilding. And you know what? Now that Hawaii's on a bye, even though we're one in four, I'm missing UH football right now. I, I'm, I kind of miss it. There's nothing to look forward to this weekend, if you, regard you know football wise, uh, right. UH football wise. Right. And if the volleyball team was home, we'd have something at least locally to attend if you'd like. I have to check the soccer schedule, but we don't have that as well. Just for Hawaii as well. I mean, you have nowhere to go but up. And I know we talked about this yesterday, and I was thinking about this last night as well. I mean, when people say they're going to go one in twelve, I, if I was a gambler, I would not. I would gamble against that. I would bet against that. I, I still think they have a few wins left in them. And people, it seems like again, maybe in the minority, of course, but they they don't seem to think this team can improve. And that you know that that I didn't like. I can understand you're saying we haven't played well. We've looked bad, and you know making the quarterback a big part of it. Except for the last game, not as much. But to say this team can't improve, why why can't they get a little better to get another win or two? Again, part of it is based on the competition. But I'm not. I don't think fans. I wish fans weren't down on this team thinking they can't get better. You know, I can understand right now we're well, not, not in a good every, spot. You know, not everybody is. I mean, you no, got a no. Few, you have a few people that that text in. Or call into the fans' voice. Most people understand we're in the now. If we're in this situation two years from now, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, let's look at the positives. You know, and there are positives. The positives. One of them is that hey, you know what? We had a resemblance of an identity on offense. Maybe it was. Maybe it's not all Jeremy Yellen's fault. Maybe it's not all the quarterback's fault. Joey Yellen. Joe. Whatever. Sorry. That. <laughs> Whatever you know, <laughs> the perhaps if he, he had more completions, <laughs> I'd remember his name. Stop yes. it. Anyway, the um, with now I lost my train of thought. Uh, it's not uh, all his fault. Maybe if we had like a Zion no, Bowen or a Jonah Pinocchio. No, no, no. Maybe it's the offense. Maybe the offense just didn't fit. Look what they did when they spread everything out. Right? They spread everything out. Had more run and shoot concepts. I I, I mean I wish that. Um, I agree with uh, Mark Veneri, uh, listening to part of the broadcast, is that, uh, you know, if we're doing the RPO, but we never have the R part of the RPO for the quarterback, it makes it pretty obvious that Hawaii's never going to run. So why run any kind of RPO? They know you're not pulling that ball out. You know, once in a while, Shager's got to take off. I mean, if you gain five yards, that's that's five good yards. You don't have to gain 61 yards when you pull it. But anyway, um, you saw the offense change. I don't know who was calling the plays. I didn't really 
pay attention to that. I'm, I'm guessing the offensive coordinator was calling the plays, I, I, I guess, during that game against uh, whew, Mexico State. But you know what? You saw the offense, you know, all of a sudden hit. Now the problem seems to be on defense. It seems to be our defense getting, you know, pushed back, you know, getting pushed around. We got, put, you know, and it's not just this game. We got, I mean, we played the bend but not break defense, I guess, for a few games. But this time we bent, we broke, we got pushed back, we got pancaked. You know, it was, you know, bless Mintaala was playing on skates. I think a couple of things, just in response to what you said. The defense, I'm hoping it's not a problem now. I'm hoping it was just a one-game deal where they were that bad stopping the run. Because, I, right. I mean, we haven't seen that in a number of years with that. And just getting back to Shager and maybe rolling out, you got to keep the defense open. I remember after uh, – No, no, not rolling out. But just, Well, they're in the read, the read the of the, RP, the RPO. But even just okay. r- running a little bit where uh, Dietrich Parsons said this as after the Western Kentucky game and even Duquesne. Like we've talked about a few times, everybody's stacking the box because they know they're going to run, and they're not worried about the passing game. Just keep the defense honest. Even if it doesn't work, like you said, you don't have to get five or – you know, if you, I don't have to get 61 yards. But even if you're not getting positive yardage, at least the defense has to wonder what you're going to do. If you're going right. to have an ineffective passing game and no – reading of the offense and not really checking progression. And I'll go back to Yellen. I was thinking about something you said a Jeremy? couple of weeks ago. Yeah, him too. He's got a problem with his He's reads. Gr- great arm. What you brought up, and that I love – curveball. Maybe we should try a curve pass. When <laughs> you brought up in the Duquesne game how the completions that we had were basically behind the line of scrimmage, and you're totally right there. I was thinking about a few specific plays, and one of them was to Pinocchio in the first half. Joey Hill, now I'm saying it, Joey Hill gets a snap. All he does as he's backing up is look to his left, wait three, four seconds, and then throw it to Pinocchio. You could tell I, from I the stats. I highly doubt it's four seconds. You okay. Long four seconds is. Okay, okay. Is four, let's say he's, it's two. He's, he's waiting four seconds. You're like, what? Well, we got the best offensive line in the country. Let's say it's two, whatever it was. He all When he got the ball, all he did was look to his left, wait a second or two or whatever, and throw it to Pinocchio. Got, it might have gotten a yard. It might have gotten negative yardage. The point is when you're just looking in one direction, that's one thing I've noticed about Yellen a lot. He doesn't seem like he goes through his reads, his progression. He looks at one receiver, and that's basically it. And when you're kind of advertising the pass where it's going, I mean, I, I believe I was with Arnold Mar- Martinez that game. Maybe it was another game. But you could just see it happening. And it's one thing to have those passes behind the line of scrimmage. If it can work, great. But when you're showing the defense what you're going to do and then you're stacking the box in the run, I mean, you're not going to get a lot of points. And that was our highest point production, the 24 points against an FCS school in Duquesne. I, I, I know that sounds basic, and I'm not trying to second-guess coaches necessarily, but it just seemed kind of strange to see him throwing that way. And it gives the defense an advantage almost every time he, he, he gets back to pass. And I wish they could change something on that. And again, with Jager, I don't see that. I don't see the same thing. I don't see yeah. that. I, I wonder though if you if do you have enough time to look left, look in the middle, look left again, and then throw right. I don't know that they. I don't know that they have enough time to do that. And is every drop back? I mean, it seems you watch the NFL. Not everybody is checking three or four different options before they throw the ball. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about what the quarterbacks are supposed to do to have that be a negative. I I understand what you're saying. You're, wa- you're waiting for the guy to get open, 
So all of a sudden, the safeties, you're starting to get safeties start running over and, and, you know, to help out and that kind of stuff. I get it. But I'm not sure how many, let's say, progressions he's supposed to have. Hopefully more than one. And I know Colt Brennan, of course, the exception maybe, but I remember when he was on our show many years ago and I asked him about that. It's just a cool statement, and maybe everybody would understand it anyway. He's throwing the ball before the receiver's at the spot he wants to catch it at. I well, mean, they're he, all supposed, everybody is supposed to do yeah, that, whether you're in the run and shoot or not. Right, but that, that, that's not happening here. That's definitely not happening here. Again, with Yellen in that one pass mm-hmm. that I remember so well, he just looked to the left right away and waited. But he wasn't waiting for the receiver to get there. I don't know what he was waiting for, but because Jonah was behind the line of scrimmage anyway. It gave the defense time to see the guy's looking left, the receiver's standing there. I'm, you know, I'm going to catch up to him, and you know he's not going to get any yards out of it. Uh, you're right about you're not you... going to look for two or th- maybe three or four receivers, but maybe look at more right. than one. Well, if you're looking at a screen pass, if you're looking at a guy that's you know, standing behind the scrimmage, and he's going to wait for the ball. It's you're, What you're talking about more is like a slant, something over the middle. The guy's running down. You throw it before he cuts because you know where he's going to cut based on the defender. But that's not the situation when you're throwing the ball behind the guy in the line of scrimmage. You're not going to throw it at his back and hope he turns around. True. Maybe that was a bad comparison right there but when you do that one play with with yellen and jonah pinocchio just stands in my mind where you could tell it wasn't going to be a good play and there were a few more like that again you you brought up how so many of those passes in that duquesne game were behind the line of scrimmage of 13 completions that he had right because you you can see that the defense is playing because you know there's no because there was you know they know they basically have watched film and they know what you're doing so you got four guys on maybe two blockers and one receiver. It's not going to end well. It's going to be a loss of yardage, or maybe you get back to the line of scrimmage. All right, we got our first text on the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Chris, can you be more positive? Sounds like your topics are always complaints. If UH is not doing too good, maybe talk about something else. Hey, thank you for texting in. I thought I was being positive. I mean, not about the bottom ten. That was just kind of fun. But I wanted to bring, and that's why I brought up our offense and the positives that we take away. Maybe the text came in before that. But anyway, thank you for texting in, guys. You can call to 808-296-1420. More coming up with the animals here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And phone calls at 808-296-1420. Reminder, at 8 a.m. today, we have the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. Oh, yeah. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News will be joining us. If you want to text a question now, you can do it. We will save them for Vinny. You can also call up about 820 as he joins us. Again, 808-296-1420. We will have uh, Matt Ryan autographed photo to give out as well. And uh, we're looking forward to another great week of fantasy football. Us three, us guys, Chris, myself, and Tanner, the only remaining undefeated teams in the ESPN Honolulu League, three out of 14. So we know a little bit of what we're doing, just a little. I'm not so. going to brag. I'm not going to brag because as soon as you do, you're, you go, you tend to lose. I, I, I know what I'm you mean. I'm nothing but lucky because I always finish at the bottom 
of the league. So You're off to a good start. I'm like the New York Giants last week. I'm just enjoying the ride. But And you always kind of downplay at the right time, which leads me to this. You and I also have something in common in the NFL this week because our teams are playing each other, the Steelers and the Jets. And uh, the Jets looking like they're going to have Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback. I, I think that says a little bit about how Joe Flacco looked last week, although their offensive line is just a total mess, which it shouldn't be after week three. Your Steelers, though, I think have a bright, fu- a brighter future. Uh, what I, I also, when I look at those divisions, and I, I want to talk about it, maybe the surprise teams in the NFL, and I have a couple in there. I think one of the teams that, I, and I am curious if they're going to turn it around, is the Cincinnati Bengals. And it, it might be using an old, not really a cliche, but an old way of looking at things where they a one-year wonder. I, I mean, they were good last year. You don't get to the Super Bowl via a fluke. You don't back your way into the Super Bowl. No, you don't even really back your way into the playoffs, although maybe you get a help in the last week. But I wonder if maybe they were going to show, this is before the season, if they were going to show that maybe they weren't as good as maybe being the best team in the AFC last year and give them all the credit in the world. They won those games, I believe, all on the last possession, uh, a couple in overtime, I believe, as well, and on the road. Uh, after beating the Raiders at home in week one. Tomorrow's a big game for them because if you fall back to one and three, and I know there's still a ton of football left, I, I mean, it's going to make it tough to maybe get make it tougher to get in via the wild card. The division, I think, is still up for grabs because right now you only have Cleveland at two and one, and I don't think there's any team that's going to run away with the AFC North. For Miami, no. yeah. The way that... The way that Baltimore, the way that uh, Lamar Jackson is playing, you better take another look at the Baltimore Ravens. They, to me, are the best team in that division right now and on paper. You're right about Lamar. I mean, he's having the best year of any quarterback so far. He's having I, I, his best year so far. He's mm. playing better than he did. It's arguably, there's an article I saw earlier, he's playing better, better than he did when he won the MVP. That is, uh, that's a good time to do it when your contract's about to expire. And the thing is, you're representing yourself. <laughs> Ask you, you, Aaron Judge. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so they say people do that. Then you wonder after they signed the really, really big deal, do they? Go, I don't. I don't want to say they get complacent, but do their numbers go down a little bit? It's happening. Uh, that doesn't happen in football like it does in baseball and some I, other sports. And I don't think anybody, you know, lets their game or doesn't play just as hard, practice as hard because they signed a big deal. I hope that doesn't happen, but sometimes the numbers will show that. Uh, but I, I think Cincinnati really needs to get a win to get back. Again, the wild card I think would be a little bit tougher with every loss. Still a lot of football left. And you always hear the numbers. A team that has started 0-3 or 1-4 only 10% of the time or 10 out of 100, whatever it is, makes the playoffs after that. So it's still relatively early. For the Miami Dolphins, on the other hand, though, it's obvious right now that Miami and Buffalo are the two best teams in the AFC East. New England, with or without Mac Jones, doesn't have enough talent to be a fourth that I think can compete for a division title. I think, again, still a lot of football left. Of course, Miami and Buffalo are going to be in the playoff. Buffalo, of course, a Super Bowl favorite by Las Vegas, by many people. Miami, people were really questioning them before the season, and more specifically questioning Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, but this could go a long way. If you get that 4-0 and start, it's not so much that you're the only undefeated team or only one of two undefeated teams. You're showing the league that you can play with anybody. Beating Buffalo is a big deal. Be- if they can beat Cincinnati, most not mostly, but also the fact that it's a road game when you're maybe not 100% healthy shows a lot as well. And one of the things, just going back Who's to Who's not that, 100% healthy? Miami, meaning, meaning Tua. 
So if they if they win, if they have to go with Bridgewater and they can get a win, that would say a lot. I well, think all, all Bridge all Bridgewater has to do is go thirteen of eighteen for one hundred eighty six yards. You think he's capable of doing that? Well, I think it might be more. I think it would be more than that. You're you're playing. Who are they playing? Cincinnati on the road. Okay. And it's not that Cincinnati's better than Buffalo. I understand your point there. I think Buffalo with the injured defensive players and. I'm surprised it was as much of a factor as it was because teams train so hard. But the heat and getting dehydrated. You saw Stephon, Stephon Diggs, I mean, dealing with cramps. It seemed like the whole game. Every time I saw him, he was just on the sideline stretching. And a lot of players seem to be dealing with that. Maybe because Miami plays there year-round and practices there all I don't summer. Know. It, was a, it, was, it felt like 100 degrees on the field. Yeah. Uh, human beings, you're, when your body heats up to a certain temperature – it's not just the guys from the Northeast. Now, it seemed they focused more on Buffalo during that. But, um, look, you're playing Cincinnati. The thing about Cincinnati is Cincinnati's defense is really good. Look it up. Cincinnati's defense is exceptional. Well, they've been playing exceptional so far this year. It seems they, you know, with whatever they did with the offensive line in the offseason, it's not working. Joe Burrow hasn't had the time that uh, needed to be able to be Joe Burrow. So that's the problem with the Cincinnati Bengals. But if you're the Miami Dolphins, it was Tua didn't blow that game. He didn't have any, you know, mistakes or anything. He just he managed the game through 18 passes, and the defense did the rest. Miami's defense is pretty sporty. Yes. So that's what, that's what won the game. That's how Miami wins this game against Cincinnati. Is the defense plays play like you did, manage the game on offense and let your defense go out there and kick butt. Doesn't it say a lot that Miami, just when you see the game the week before with the six touchdown passes, that it says a lot that Tua had the numbers you just said, and that Tyree Kill only caught two passes, and that Jalen Waddle caught four, and then they could still win. Now they didn't score a ton well, of points, but they could okay. win despite those guys. You give, you take what the defense gives you. Last night I was watching a replay of my uh, favorite team, the Detroit Lions, and the uh, Minnesota Vikings. You're nodding your head. I like Detroit, too. I think we're both in agreement. We're no, that's not what I'm getting them. at. Is oh. like they watch the game, and Justin Jefferson is not getting the ball. If you have Justin Jefferson on your fantasy football team, you're going, what am I, what's going on? The guy has it's a lack of offense from him. It's because everybody's keying on Justin Jefferson. That's why Adam Thielen against the Lions, got the touchdown passes, and he was wide open every time. Part of it was Minnesota was playing a, a zone, and he just kind of sat and, you know, made it easy on uh, Kirk Cousins. But at the same time, nothing's wrong with Justin Jefferson. Nothing's wrong with that game. You got, <laughs> you don't need to get it to Justin Jefferson every time you go out and throw the ball. It's just Tua Tonga-Vailoa doesn't need to get it to Tyreek Hill. You got Waddle. Waddle is, it's like 1A and 1B. Jalen Waddle's a great receiver. And then if he's covered, you got Gasicki or the other guy. I can't remember the other tight end they start oh. throwing it to. they got another tight end who's uh, seen, uh, you know, some uh, some targets this year. They have a number of guys. What's the other guy? What's Cedric Wilson, the slot Yeah, from Cedric Dallas. Wilson is the other, you know, he's a receiver that you never would have noticed before, but because of the, you know, the attention paid to either Waddle or, or Tyreek Hill, he's a guy that's wide open. It's much like the Dallas Cowboys. It's like, let's watch C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb, C.D. Lamb, uh, WR1, C.D. Lamb. Well, all of a sudden, 
Noah Brown is getting all these receptions. That's why. That's why nothing wrong with the offense if Tyreek Hill doesn't get the ball. Again, in I this agree. offense, yeah, yeah. in this yeah. offense. But you could you. I think it just says a lot about the whole team that they can win. I mean, people thought they would be a better team because of Tyreek Hill, and they are a better team because of Tyreek Hill. But they yes, can win. They without are a him. better team because you have to prepare to play Tyreek Hill. And even you have only to prepare two, yeah. it all week. What are we going to do to stop Tyreek Hill? Because you might be able to stop the Dolphins if otherwise. You might if Tyreek Hill, you know, has a 146 yards and two touchdowns. You're probably going to lose that game. Yeah, and even I heard that Cincinnati players were saying we got Eli Apple's back tomorrow uh, tomorrow night when he's going to be covering Tyreek Hill. So they're concentrating on him and preparing for him. And I think every team that Eli Apple has ever played for <laughs> has needed help. I can't understand how that guy is picked in the first round. That conversation for another time. Coming up, Ben Kerchival from CBS Sports to talk some college football here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, time for our bulletin board. We want you to know. Uh, to make sure your cakey are buckled in their car seats correctly as pertaining to their age and size, then uh, visit nhgsa.gov for details. This message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. It trades 10 to 20 miles per hour, high in the upper 80s. But the trade winds are back. They're northeasterly uh, right now, 10 to 20. So that's good news. Hopefully we'll cool down a little bit. And we're going to continue with some football talk. Let's get into some college football. A lot going on. A lot of conference play has started or will be starting in the upcoming days and weeks. Joining us now via the Aloha Kia Hotline. He's an editor for college football at CBS Sports and CBSSports.com. Back with us, Ben Kercheville. Ben, good to have you on the show again. And I want to bring up one team, first of all, and get your thoughts on this. Because I see the polls, obviously we all do, and I see Michigan at number four. But I look at who they have beaten, and they beat Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, and then they played Maryland, not one of the top teams in the Big Ten. And they only beat them by seven points. Are they a legitimate number four to you? Probably not. But it's, it's not even October yet. You know, we're probably not going to know a lot about these teams until we start getting into the real meat of conference play. Uh, the, the first three teams that you listed are probably the three worst FBS teams in the, in the country. I, I, I know that's a sensitive topic out there in Hawaii, <laughs> but this, yeah. they, are not, they are not good. I mean, they, Timmy Chang's got a big rebuilding job ahead of him. Uh, and UConn, uh, Colorado State, obviously not much better. I was a little surprised that they struggled with Maryland. If you look back, historically at how that series has played out the moment that maryland typically plays the big 10 team better than it it absolutely folds makes me think that the terps might be a little bit better than we've given them credit for uh, as we move forward into this year i think with jj mccarthy at quarterback michigan has a great chance to win a lot of games because of his athletic ability i mean his his ability to make throws make plays with his feet that's if you have a, a guy with that kind of athletic talent gives you a chance to win a lot of games but i think on the other side of that is he's learned to, to reel that in a little bit sometimes I, I think that showed up against maryland him trying too hard at times then you move to the other side of the ball on defense you know can they replace the great edge rushers that they had a year ago it's a little bit more by committee this year 
I think overall the talent makes them a top, a pretty easy top 10 team. Are they as good as, say, a Georgia, say, an Ohio State or an Alabama? We'll find that out in time. I, I think they're certainly capable of making another run for a Big Ten championship. But I just wonder as we get through into the meat of the conference play, whether some of those losses from last year's team sort of end up showing up a little bit more. I think we've got a taste of that against the Terps. Right, exactly how I, I kind of see it. I just wonder, Ben, if you see any other teams that might be in a similar situation. They were teams that are undefeated, top 10 team. It seemed like they've been tested once, if not twice, and they have, you know, maybe an FCS school or just a, a guaranteed game where they're just going to take a lower-tier team like UConn, uh, Colorado State. I know what you said about Hawaii, and we've acknowledged that as well. Do you see any other teams that might be in a similar situation? In terms of maybe being a little bit overrated, um, well, I, you know, the team I, I'm, I'm sort of interested in looking at a little bit more, they're going to get a great test this weekend is Oklahoma State. I think they just sit inside the top ten, like number nine, number ten. They're going to play Baylor here. They actually had a week off. They're a little bit extra time to prepare for that. Um, you know, they, they're a team that had so much great defensive talent from last year's group. That was a real salty defense. Then Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator, he goes to Ohio State still been a good group so far but you go to back to week one they beat central michigan but somehow central michigan hangs 44 points on them and you know probably not a lot of people watch that game but you're if you look at it you go well how the heck did that happen so gonna play a really good offense with baylor like shaping a quarterback for the bears a much more accomplished passer than gary bohannon a year ago i think oklahoma state gets a real nice early conference test to see if they kind of have what it takes to make it back to Arlington this year. We're talking college football with Ben Kirchival from CBS Sports joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. There was a story that came out a couple of days ago talking about the Herm Edwards firing at Arizona State, saying that maybe some people on his staff might have leaked information, and an opposing coach anonymously acknowledged that that might have been the case just to help get him fired sooner than later. What do you make of that situation? I, I saw that. It was one line out of an entire uh, article from The Athletic. And my only, the only thing that came back to me was, was this. If you're trying to get Herm Edwards fired, you do understand that, that means you're very likely going to get fired. Too. Right. Now, now, Herm Edwards probably on his way out eventually because of the NCAA cloud that's hanging over that program. At some point, Arizona State was going to have to very likely make a move to save its own hide. But if you're an assistant coach, uh, it, it ain't just the head coach that gets cleaned out when they bring in a new staff. And it's a lot easier for a head coach to get a job the second time around. A little bit harder if you're just an offensive line coach or some sort of a you know, lower-level assistant. So when I read something like that, I'm not going to sit here and comment on the validity of it, but I will absolutely comment on the thought process behind it. We see group of five schools that will have a nice year or two run. Hawaii had the Sugar Bowl in 2007. We've seen other schools have success. But then you look at Boise State. They've had the longest run, you know, over the last decade or so of having a lot of success, but not lately. We know they fired their offensive coordinator yeah. after Saturday's loss to UTEP. What's changed? Is it coaching, recruiting? Why have they gone downhill the way they have right lately? Well, you know, Hank Bachmeyer entered the transfer portal, and he was one of the most heralded recruits that they've ever had uh, in, in that program. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily the caliber of players. That's certainly at the most important spot, getting a, a blue-chip player like him. You would think that 
you know, that would be very helpful for them. So I, I ultimately, I think for a program like Boise state where you've shown or over a long period of time, over various levels, FCS, mm. WAC, Mountain West, you know, now you're trying to maybe make a play for a power five bid at some point in the future. They've shown that they can win and they certainly have had the commitment to winning and you can get players there. You can get them from California, get them from Texas, so I don't think the, the roster talent is necessarily the issue, although I don't think that they have always maybe the NFL-level talent that they had under Chris Peterson. I mean, he put guys he – made, he made Sunday guys out of those rosters. I think it's coaching. Fired the offensive coordinator, but, you know, when you make those big coordinator changes, especially early in the season, I'm not saying Andy Avalos is going to be fired at the end of the year necessarily, but to me those are kind of – uh, last line changes uh, before maybe something's made a little bit further at the top. We see the usual suspects, Ben, as far as Heisman, hopeful, C.J. Stroud amongst them. Of course, Young uh, for Alabama maybe trying to repeat. What are your thoughts being uh, unbiased about Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma? Not that he could win the Heisman, although we'd love it, but can he be a Heisman mm-hmm. finalist? He can be, but he's got to check off some, some boxes. Losing to Kansas State's not really going to help his case. Thank, thankfully, he's got a little bit of extra time to make it up in the back end. But you, you need to play a big position. It's typically quarterback, although obviously Devontae Smith uh, at Alabama was able to win it at wide receiver a couple years ago. It's Can you put up big stats? Uh, which, with him, I think him and Jeff Levy, I think that's a perfect combination. That's, that's the kind of connection that you want to have in order to be able to put up big numbers, he has guys around him. But you got to go out and you got to win a bunch of games. You probably have to get to at least the Big 12 championship game, maybe the college football playoff. I'm not a Heisman voter, but I can tell you what they look for, and that's a guy who puts up big stats on probably a top five, top ten team. He's certainly in that position, but got to play really well down the stretch. Hopefully he will. He had four touchdown passes, even though that was a loss. Conference play is here. That is a good thing. Ben, thanks for joining us. It's been so long. We hope to do it again throughout the season. Again, enjoy the rest of the weekend for college football and the season as well. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you so much. Ben Kercheval from CBS Sports. He's an editor also for CBSSports.com. Joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia, you know a guy. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up, we got a little this and that. Also, uh, let's get into, we've talked about Tua Tonga-Vailoa already and uh, his questionableness coming up on Thursday. Uh, UH football has uh, improved, at least in the eyes of the bottom ten. Coming up next, the Yankees have clinched the AL East. It leaves uh, only the NL East in Major League Baseball to be decided, but uh where are they going to play that game? That and more coming up with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning. And my heart called out to you. But I fear you won't be like I Okay, now the uh, New York Yankees. By the way, uh, Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge uh, got walked four times, so we didn't get home run number sixty-one. But um, when are the Yankees playing next? They play today against Toronto once again, and of course we will have that broadcast first pitch at one oh seven, and that will be on CBS fifteen hundred. Okay, so. 
Now, all the uh, um, all the divisions have been settled except the uh, NL East with the Braves and the Mets. What happened to the Mets? I, I turned away from Major League Baseball for a few weeks, and all of a sudden I'm going, what? Huh? They had row. They had a 16 games in a row in September, the beginning of the month, against teams under 500, and they were, I think, 7-9 and nine against them. Unbelievable they lost to these bottom feeders, while the Braves were, I, I think, with a, one of the hottest, most dangerous teams in baseball, maybe even more so than the Dodgers, just how they played lately. And after last night's loss at home to Miami, are you kidding me? And the Braves beating <laughs> Washington, well, they are tied once again. The Mets have spent, I think, 12 hours out of first place since early April. The Braves had a half-game lead for overnight, and then the next morning the Mets regained it. But they've been struggling lately. Well, Pete Alonso hit his 40th homer, 131 RBIs. He's been hitting a homer in almost every game, it seems like. But their pitchers have been letting them down. Jacob DeGrom had his worst start in like three years last week at Oakland, of all places. And they have had some key losses. And, of course, perfect timing. They play each other this weekend. Okay, so, okay, Braves and Mets now, they're going to play where – What's going on? So we've seen so many sporting events where there's college football games. The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go play down at Miami, and Tom Brady's going to walk away the owner of the team or something. That's no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so where are the Mets and Braves going to play? Do they know yet? Well, they they have been talking about it. Buck Showalter said, I know a few things, but I'm not going to say anything. That is, GM is keeping him in the loop. There is a contingency plan. It could be a decision made tonight or as late as Friday morning about moving that game, depending on Hurricane Ian. They're scheduled to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Atlanta. And if the weather really causes enough damage there, they could move the game. Nobody is saying where. But there is talk, and they are preparing if the damage is extensive in the Atlanta area. You could play in Hawaii, you know, at Aloha State. Never mind. <laughs> Remember when we had a Major League Baseball game at the uh, the the stadium formerly known as Aloha? It was great. Three games. Uh, St. Louis and San Diego. That was pretty cool. Ken Caminiti. The late Ken Caminiti. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. yeah. That was that pretty was cool. Great. Uh, yeah. What if they cancel the games? What if they just don't play the games? They have to. It's going to determine first place. As you mentioned, they're tied. These three games are very, very important. They're, two of them are at least on national TV, maybe all three, I believe. They don't want to lose that. You can't lose a game like this. If it doesn't matter, yeah, they would cancel it, not make it up. These games will be made up if they have uh, to be. All right, we'll be back. Buy or sell and more. Coming up with the animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. We're the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, our top stories following today, Tua Tagovailoa questionable for Thursday. He says he's going to play, but the athletes always say they're ready to play. They always do, and I hope if he does play, he is at 100%. I don't think Miami would take a chance this early in the season with arguably their most important player. All right. Uh, the uh, NBA, his uh, training camps have started and the drama is uh, really league-wide 
with all kinds of all all kinds. It seems that you can't pick a team that doesn't have some kind of drama going on. Whether you're the Phoenix Suns, the Brooklyn Nets, the L.A. Lakers, and on and on and on. I think the uh, Sacramento Kings are the only team that don't have any kind of drama because well, nobody cares. And they've never made the playoffs longer. They have the longest drought than any other team in the NBA, Boston Celtics, of course. It's kind of cool. The Golden State Warriors were opening up their season in Japan, and they had a video of Steph Curry walking through the airport like nobody even noticed who he was. Get the cameraman there. (laughs) Um, University of Hawaii football has moved down in the bottom ten. I don't know if that's a top story, but, hey, it's uh, something positive about Rainbow Warrior football as the coaches are on the road recruiting this week. And we know they're not going to have a loss this week, and I think if they can somehow pull the upset against San Diego State on the road coming up later on in October, things will really change for them. I know that might be a long shot, but anything is possible. You know what? If the defense plays like they did two weeks ago and the offense plays like they played last week, I'll go with what you're saying. I'll go with four or five wins this year especially in that pillow fight we have against Colorado State. <laughs> yeah, it Bring is possible. on, baby. Hey, football is football. Win, lose, or draw. I, I miss UH football this week. All right. Hey, uh, coming up, we've got uh, this hour Ben Volen uh, with more on the NFL. He writes for the Boston Globe but covers the NFL. Then remember, at 8 o'clock, uh, we've got the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. If you have... A question for our expert, which is Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Also, check out his podcast, Locked On Network, the Locked On Network Fantasy Football. It's uh, on the LockedOnPodcasts.com. But uh, if you got a question for Vinny about your lineup, uh, like, you know, how can I beat Chris Hart? He's so good <laughs> in our league. He's undefeated. Something like that. Then uh, text it in to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808 296 1420 first come first served on the question so get it in now and then remember to come back and uh check out the show starting at eight o'clock all right tanner hayworth you're up to bat the bobby curran show presents buy or sell and unlike aaron judge i hope to be hitting a home run with this one today <laughs> as we go into buy or sell now like you guys just mentioned to Vailoa has been upgraded to too questionable he was no he was upgraded to limited after being out so not a big upgrade but he is facing some ankle and back issues as he's doing everything he can get to as close to 100 as possible now when you look at the dolphins schedule the first four games of the season were probably going to be the hardest for a while with the ravens the bills and the Bengals. Now, when you look at this next seven games after the Bengals, they'll face such lowly teams like the Jets, the <laughs> Texans, the Bears, and you know the, the, the and the spread winners, the Detroit Lions. Buy or sell. Those Bears are two and one. Stop it now. <laughs> Buy or sell. If the Dolphins want to have the best possible chance of making the playoffs, Tua will play this game against the Bengals. Sell, 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 100% sell. You got seven, it's a 17-game season. You've got reoccurring ankle problems. You've got a bad back. Who knows? Some say he's hiding a concussion. I don't believe it, but they say he is. So, um, with the Jets, the Vikings, uh, you know, they got the, their schedule coming up is the Bengals, of course. Say you sit out that one. Then you got the Jets. 
Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns. It's not that easy. I think that you sit out and you take on, you play 16 out of 17 games. That's a win for Tua Tonga-Lavailoa, given his injury history. And it's not like your backup is a scrub. Teddy Bridgewater will be fine. The running game's getting better, and the defense is playing hot. Sell. I am selling as well, by the way, Tanner. I think we're giving you an intentional walk on this. I I Uh, think, you know, you can win the division. We're beating you on this. (laughs) You can win the division even if you lose to Cincinnati. This is, in week four, not the most important game. If they were to lose, the worst they would be is tied with Buffalo and own a tiebreaker in those games you mentioned. I think you just show up and beat the Jets. That's how bad they are. And the Uh Bears as well and a few other teams. So I'm selling. Bears are 2-1. I'm not sold on them. Let's see what their record is in a month from now. It'll probably be two and six. Oh. Now I'm going to get an angry text. Buy or sell? Oh. And then come (laughs) your turn. (laughs) As we talked about a little bit, the NBA season is starting to open up a little bit. As we did have media days the other day, one of the Sadder stories of media days, however, was Chicago Bulls point guard Lonzo Ball as he revealed that he'll have to go through another knee surgery as his quote saying, I can't run or jump until I can do those things. I can't play with a lot of stories about him that like struggling to even walk up the stairs of his own home right now. Buy or sell. For his own sake, Lonzo Ball should consider retirement. I am selling. I mean, he might be out this year. I don't think it's a career-ending injury necessarily. It was sad to hear some of those details, though. I think he only played like 30 games last year or right around there. I didn't know it was that little, and I, I, I feel bad for him, but I don't think he should retire at all. I mean, who knows how he'll feel in a year from now. He's too young to have that label on him yet that his career is done, so I'm selling Tanner Hayworth, I'm beating you again. I'm selling that 100%. doesn't make sense. He's way too young to call it quits. Um, go through the surgery and sit out. I mean, look at somebody like Jesse Sapolu. What, did he not play for his first two years because he kept breaking bones? Well, you know what? He came back, and he's, you know, arguably a Hall of Fame offensive guard for the 49ers. I'm selling that, you silly boy. <laughs> Buy or sell? And as Hurricane Ian is looking to make landfall in Florida in the coming hours, there will be a lot of coverage of the storm from the ground in Florida. And we'll be seeing the plethora of local weather reporters braving the storm on the ground in their rain jackets, just struggling to make sure that we get the information that we need. Buy or sell, for this sake alone, weather reporters are the goats of local TV stations. Oh, I'm buying that 100%. Are you kidding? Especially if you can catch, you know, stuff flying around you in the background, or maybe you're 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 uh, you're doing your report and uh, the wind whips the mic out of your hand or something like that. Oh, 100%. I mean, we here in Hawaii have no idea what these guys in Florida and Oklahoma and places like that have to go through. 100% buy. I'm going to sell it for a different reason, maybe. You're saying the local weather people. What about CNN and all those people? They have cool jackets, nice hats, and they do the same thing. The Weather Channel people yeah, are down cool there jacket. looking at it right now. Nice but I'm hat. talking about local. I'm talking about the I know, local that's guys. What, they do this job, too, with less money, with less budget. 
But uh, that's why I'm selling. You're, you're saying that only they are the goats. I'm saying, the weather, I'm saying weather reporters are the goats of the local news station. I'm not saying, I, I, I'm not saying of all reporters. You're answering a different question, Dickman. No, well, I don't think when you ask a buy or sell question and, that and you, you know can elaborate what? like this. Because the, the, the CNN guys have nice jackets and nicer yeah. hats. Yeah. They're, they feel so, Tanner feels sorry for the little guy. Well, I feel sorry for the CNN people. They're, the they're CNN in the same people weather. get their own camera people. The local weather reporters, they are their camera person. Okay, that and doesn't matter when you're getting car. That doesn't matter when you're getting swallowed by a hurricane or, you know, blown away because you have your own car and cameraman. That doesn't make it any. I'm getting blown away, but at least I got a car where the local guy at KG3TV doesn't. That doesn't matter. And this has been Buy or Sell on ESPN Honolulu. I guess I did my own clothes. Hey, good job, Tanner. Yeah, I got a, I got, I got, I got a question to ask you guys. Tanner, jump in here if you uh, as well. Do you think the tipping, tipping, as in you know, you tip your waiter, your your bartender, or whatever, tipping has got on, gotten out of hand? No, why? Why has it gotten out of hand? On, I will say, I will say this: it's weird. I do see what you're saying, but the issue is, is how certain businesses will use that for a lower wage. I do know that some yes. businesses will tie your wage that you uh, that you get based on the tips that you receive. They can like, pay you less than minimum if you're getting tips. Exactly. Actually, and, so, can do that. and so now that all these, some, I'm not going to say all, because yes. not everyone does this. Some some businesses for like the retail stores, they'll be like, oh, do you want a tip? They will then take that pay, a percentage of the pay, out of the regular minimum wage. Right. Just say, hey, well, you're getting tips. So so right. I do say it's a little weird, but in those situations, then it's like, well, then I feel like I have to tip. And it's a weird, uh, it's a, it's a weird positive feedback loop of where yeah. you have to do it, but you know it it's, doesn't feel right. Right, and it depends. If you if I go to uh, Subway, and there's nothing against Subway, and they don't all do it, but if you go to Subway and they make your sandwich, then you can leave a tip. And I guess it makes, well, you know what, I'll take that's a bad example because, hey, I really like the way you made my sandwich and you were friendly. Here, uh, here's an extra buck. But there's certain places where they add on the gratuity already. For large I was staying, groups. I was staying in, no, 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 not anymore. I was staying in Kona. And um, at the hotel, when I check out, they charged me already for porterage. And, you know, that's the guy helping you with your bags or whatever. And uh, for the, uh, the cleaning of the room. And I usually leave a tip for the, do you call it a maid still? Is that wrong? I don't know. The, the person who cleans your room. Housekeeper. Yeah, thank you, housekeeper. I use, I'll leave 20 bucks or whatever, depending on how long I stayed. You have, you're supposed to leave them a tip. Then I go downstairs, and they've already charged me. Wow. Well, you know, it's like, come on, you guys. And and it's there's there was somebody at a furniture store. They bought furniture, and they wanted to know if you wanted to leave a tip. It's gotten wow. crazy out of hand. There was somebody that ordered something online, and then as you're checking out through your online cart, would you like to leave a 15%, 18%, or 20% chip? Uh, tip for what 
for ordering something online? Wow. Who am I? It's it's it has gotten really really crazy. That is out of hand. I know somebody works at a restaurant locally had a six hundred dollar tab with a table of fifteen and they left him nothing. Now that's different with food service. I think it's un- it's understood. It's expected if you get good service. But for things that aren't, I mean, and you can maybe say, well, they served you at a store, but. You're not really wow. I, I can't believe that be tipping uh, at, at different stores that aren't serving food or drinks that they would right. first of all charge you for it or even expect it. That's amazing. Right. Wow. And, and but see that and but but Tanner hit the nail on the head. Hey, you know what? This is why we. This is how we can pay people less. Yeah. And but yet yet businesses can't find people to work, and you wonder why. But when they take it out of your wages, that's if you're considered a tipped employee that gets tips on a regular basis. If you're working at a furniture store and they're asking if you want to leave a tip, I don't think those people would get paid less than minimum because they're not getting tipped regularly, like waiters, service I bartenders. I don't know. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that you know that's maybe they're paying the housekeeper less because uh, look at all this extra money you're getting from each guest. Right. That'd anyway, be different. wow. Let's let's talk about the sports. On ESPN Honolulu, this is the Bobby Curran Show with the Sports Animals. Uh, somebody uh, texted in yesterday and wanted to know uh, the progress on Bobby and how he's doing. Um, we haven't talked to him lately, but he goes to the mainland uh, next month. So he's just chilling over here. So yes. that's the latest is he's just chilling right now until he's got to go back to the mainland for I don't know if it's more testing or what. Final approval to get the surgery on his lungs. Gotcha. October 24th, I believe, is the date he is uh, leaving for Phoenix. He was on our show last week talking about it. And, you know, we all pray for him. We wish him the best. I, I give him a ton of credit because he seems so positive uh, in this situation. I think that would be really difficult for a lot of people, including myself, to be as positive as he is. But he's hoping for a good outcome and uh, a lot of years left, but uh, he is expected to leave on the 24th, and he'll know soon after uh, what the next step is, hopefully getting that surgery done. All right. Well, congratulations go out to uh, Chad Konishi. Uh, Chad Konishi has had more jobs in sports over the past, I don't know, 20 years in Hawaii than anybody. I mean, Chad Konishi has done it all. He is now the head coach of Chaminade Baseball. Driving off traffic. What did you say? Chaminade Baseball? Yes. Todd, uh, Dr. Tom Bunning, guy got to meet down at Growlers Hawaii last month. What a positive guy. Uh, you know what? You hang out with Tom Bunning, and uh, you have a different outlook on the world. I got that from a five-minute conversation. This guy's probably a motivational speaker or something. But anyway, Dr. Tom Bunning is starting a um, – he's the athletic director at Chaminade. He's starting a baseball program, and Chad Kunishi is going to be the head coach. Congratulations. How about that? That is great. And when I saw that headline and the email, I was like, well, Chaminade Baseball, that seemed a little strange. But uh, I'm glad they are getting to do that. More opportunities for local players, I'm sure, yeah. as well. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. So, um, of course, uh, Kunishi was the associate head coach at UH Manoa from, wow, for 11 years. Uh, he was also the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator. Uh, during his 12-year career at UH, the uh, reached the uh, NCAA regionals in 2006 and 2010. Thank you, Colton Wong. Um, and the WAC conference title in 2011. Uh, he was also, let's see, he was, oh, he was Stephen Wright's pitching coach, I guess. Had to be if it was on that time. Yeah, yeah, should have been, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. 
But um, but he was the athletic director. He was a co-athletic director at St. Francis. I believe he was an assistant athletic director at St. Louis. So he doesn't. He still gets to keep his parking space, I guess. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, couldn't happen to a, a greater guy, though. Congratulations, uh, Chad Konishi. Uh, look forward to following Chaminade Baseball. And you make a great point, is that more opportunity for local baseball players to go and uh, play and get an education. I would imagine that when he was at UH, nothing against Mike Trapasso when he was the head coach, but that Chad was probably very instrumental in getting a lot of the local players that did play here to play here because of him. And maybe the connection with high school coaches more so than Trap. Again, nothing against Trap, but I bet he was a big part of that. Oh, I don't, I don't know. But the with, remember when he got let go? Remember that was very curious. Yes. You see, that's, that's the way the positive people say it. It was very curious to why he was let go at the University of Hawaii. It, there, was no, there was no real reason given publicly, which we understand happened at the time, but it didn't seem like it was necessary at the time or right at the time for that time. But a lot of people yeah. see, were kind of upset about it. I remember people calling our show and wondering why, why him. Because it was the problem back then, you remember, it was, wait, the team can't hit, so you fire the pitching coach? <gasps> yes. Uh, that's one of the big reasons why people were upset at the time. So I'm glad for him. Yeah, that's great news for him. Does Hawaii Pacific still play baseball? Yes, oh, of course. Yes, yes. Wow, okay. So we got three baseball uh, three baseball teams here. So they'll be in the Pac West, I'm assuming. And I guess, I'm not sure they go, have to go through that transition period, like schools on the D1 level or FBS they level. They haven't. In the Pac West, they haven't in the past, like when they started soccer and women's basketball and stuff. There wasn't any kind of probation good. period. But this is good. Hopefully, uh, University of Hawaii will give them an opportunity, uh, you know, to go and play a, a game or two in the preseason to help kind of launch the program. Because, you know, unlike the PGA and Live Golf, who can't work <laughs> together, it's good, for the, it's good for the sport of baseball for everybody to kind of get along. Now, University of Hawaii basketball team, they're always playing either Chaminade or HPU and it and it's it's good for the division two guys yep. and you get to fill a slot in your schedule for the division one guys. Now baseball doesn't have the problem of scheduling that basketball does. Um, people are it seems people are happy to come to Hawaii and play, but at the same time, you know, help your little brother out there, UH. Yeah, I, I hope it does happen, and hopefully, I, I would imagine fans shouldn't be critical or wouldn't be critical right away if you know. You know, with a new head coach, a new program, if they don't win right away, but that's going to be fun to watch this program develop, and I'm sure Chad will do a good job and uh, hopefully be very competitive in years to come. All right, Ben Volan on the NFL in 15 minutes. Uh, coming up next, we're going to check your traffic. Weather-wise today, it's going to be mostly sunny again. Looks like we might have some rain coming up this weekend, but mostly sunny today. The trades are back northeasterly now at 10 to 20 and a high in the upper 80s again. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. All right, it's time for a new feature, daily feature, favorite. What to watch, the Sports Animals Review, <laughs> what to watch on Netflix. Highly recommend, highly recommend Father Stew. 
I think it's like the number two most watched uh, on their top ten list. Father Stu starring Marky Mark. Great movie. Great movie. Got to check that out. I thought he did a great job on that. Another I, one I've been told is, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a story about the soccer team in Thailand that were trapped in the caves. Yeah. I, I started I watching that and lost interest, but I'll give it another shot. I'll give it another shot later on this week, I guess. There's a movie that's premiering today. I'm not sure if it's up your alley or mine, but Blonde, and it's about Marilyn Monroe, and it got pretty uh, interesting reviews. Uh, <laughs> it well, sounds depressing. It sounds depressing, actually. It, it well, it could be, but it, I, I mean, the fact that it's based—I mean, I don't know how true it's going to be. I heard they actually got creative with some of the things that is not a hundred percent accurate. If it, to me, if they're going to do a, a, a movie on somebody from real life, I wish it would be more accurate. You want to believe that the show yeah, a real but person? But sometimes it's but sometimes it's not like the fathers too. Basically, they say this is based on a true story, yeah. and uh, you know we've taken a couple of liberties here and there. But um, you know, it's a good story. It's a true story. When they show pictures of the real person who the movie was made about. I like those. I like, Me I like too. how they do that at the end. That's very cool. Right. And Mark Wahlberg I love. I think almost everything oh. he's ever done I've loved. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg and Adam Sandler. They can do no wrong. I mean, come on. And well, Tom Hanks. I'll throw Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks in there, too. Yeah. I still haven't seen Elvis yet, even though I it's didn't. available. Yeah, really I heard good. that was great. Denzel Riveting Washington up there, too, for me. Riveting from start to finish. Denzel, I guess. I don't You're know. not a big Denzel fan? Wow. No, I, I, not like not like Marky Mark. I mean, John Wayne. I you know I love John Wayne until now. You find out later in life what a racist he was. It was. Have you read about yeah. some of that stuff? My you told goodness. us stories. Uh, you told me stories Ooh. a few years ago. And I know this isn't Netflix, but Hulu. And I mentioned it briefly yesterday. But the Lakers show called Legacy is mainly about the Bus family. I didn't realize. And it's like six or seven episodes, or about an hour long, or a little less. Really interesting about some of the things they say about you know what went on behind the scenes. Phil Jackson featured a lot. Kobe Bryant in the eighty-one point game. But it starts from when Jerry Bus bought the team, like in the what nineteen eighty or whatever it was. But it, the fa- the kids did not do not get along. They talk about how Jim Bus basically ran the team. He insisted. I'll give one quick example. They he he wanted Andrew Bynum when everybody in the organization said do not draft this guy. But Jim Bus, who didn't really have any NBA background, but followed Jerry West around for a year scouting, thought it was going to be my guy. I'm going to show that I can handle an NBA team. Wow. And we're going to stick with this guy. They said his knees aren't good. He only played like two years of high school. They drafted him out of high school. Everybody warned him, and he, he insisted. Had, but didn't he have like a couple of good years? Not that good. I think it was, uh, a, it, was a, it was a lottery pick. Number 10, I believe it was, actually. So still a lottery pick. But it's interesting how Jeannie, Jim, and John did not get along. There's another uh, sister in there. They all talk separately and really – Put each never, other down. They've never gotten along. I mean, do they sit around the table at Thanksgiving? I doubt it. I doubt it. It's I doubt weird. it from what they say. I didn't understand that. I didn't realize yeah. that part. But it's, it's, it's an interesting yeah. story about the Lakers and what really went on with magic. And it goes through every five years or so at a time. Check it out on uh, a Hulu near you. Yama, <laughs> thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. What up? Good morning, guys. Hi. Hey, so um, real quick, I think um, maybe, Chris, you'd like uh, Father of the Year. You can check that out. That's what David Spade. He uh, makes, like, a homemade, like, pool in the back of a, his neighbor's truck in a trailer park. And then, like, the tailgate opens, and then all the water goes everywhere, and his son is embarrassed. But anyway, you might like Father that. of the Year, what's but, that on? 
it's on Netflix or it should be. I mean, it's it's kind of a, it's it's kind of hilarious. He also puts a, like you know like the like the beaters that you use for cake to like mix it. Right. He's like he's like he's like hey check it out guys I like put it in the water and it makes like like a bubbles for me in my bath and my little leg you know in my water and then his neighbor comes out of the house like hey hey I you know she has to use her truck. So she jumps in the truck with him in the back, and then she slams on the brakes, and he falls out butt naked. So All right. you might like that one. Sound, you know, anyway, sounds like I, my I, kind of movie. I, Thank I, you. I, I think it would be, after hearing what you were talking about. Yeah, but yeah, guess, yeah. No, you're I, right. I, I, I just actually had two sports-related questions, finally. Um, mm-hmm. I heard you say something about uh, the MLB coming to um, – play baseball at Aloha Stadium with, like, the St. Louis uh, Cardinals and some other team. I think it was, like, Padres. LA. The Padres. So what, what millenn- like, like, so what millennium did this take place in? That's I'm a good question. Curious. 1994, you know, I believe. Or five. You know, I, uh, hopefully we can make that come back again. I'd yeah, we need a stadium. That. Yeah, we kind of need a stadium. That was the, the, the point. So the- but, yeah, that was, like, in the 90s. Oh, well, and then my second question, well, maybe they'll come back. But I guess uh, another, I just wanted to know why, I, I guess I'm curious about UH football. Why can't, what what holds, a, as far as a location, right, like that sometimes can be a big selling point for a program. Why can't we, like, get people to come play over here? I mean, it's Hawaii. Like, if you had to choose between Nebraska and Hawaii and you're a football player, I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, people say like, "Oh, it's because like you can get NFL exposure." But if you got if you got the juice and you got the sauce, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get picked. I mean, you will go to the league if you're that talented. Like look at like Ben Roethlisberger from Miami; he played at a small school. Look at Josh Allen from Wyoming; a lot of good players with the small school. So why can't we use? Why doesn't it seem like we're able to use our location more? Like, let's see, uh, would I want to play in Mississippi? at some school, or would I want to play, you know, in Hawaii? Like, maybe Alabama and these other bigger, like, top ten programs it's hard to compete with, but, like, a Nebraska or a Kansas, or I feel like we could steal some players based off of where we, we are, like, our, our, our paradise of what we yeah. have here. So our hey, Yama, Yama, I got you. I got you. Hey, listen, listen to the response off the uh, radio. Thank you for calling in, and thank you for listening. Why can't we get better players, the question is, at the University of Hawaii? I think we have in the past. Um, I think we've had some really good recruiters. I think uh, back in the day, Rich Miano was a very good recruiter, brought some of the biggest stars we've seen. June Jones, of course, you know that goes without saying. Um, Rolo seemed to be a pretty good recruiter. Norm Chow actually wasn't a bad recruiter. It wasn't a great coach, but right, right. You know that, 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 that's absolutely true. I think we, I think we can be. I think Abe Elamimian is known as a good recruiter. And by the way, they're out recruiting now. You know what? What? What problem do we have? I don't know. What problem does Colorado State have? What problem does Colorado have? What right. problem does Arizona State have? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I think part of the reason, if you're a four- or five-star guy, all you're worried about is I'm getting through college so I can go play in the pros. And Ben Roethlisberger, he brings up Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, was a number 10 pick, something like that, in the 2004 draft. Ben Roethlisberger was picked 10th overall. If he didn't, and uh, the the, the question about Big Ben was, in college, he didn't play great competition. 
Remember when they played Hawaii? That was cool. Yeah, what a game! Back, back at back at the uh, the stadium formerly known as Aloha, <laughs> the um, they were afraid. He would have went number one. He would have went before Eli Manning, had he played in the SEC like Eli did, but they weren't sure. I mean, they're both. You know, Ben Roethlisberger will be in the Hall of Fame. Eli Manning, I don't know if he goes to the Hall of Fame, but. Um, I mean, Phil Simms should go to the Hall of Fame before Eli Manning, I would think. I think they could both get in, but I think if you're a four-star player, you're not going to go to a group of five school necessarily. If you're a four-star, you're going to go to a power five school. But Yama's point is well taken that you can go to a group of five school and get drafted, but if you're a big star, you're going to go to a higher school. All right, we're running late. We'll get back to more texts and calls at 808-296-1420. Also, the Live Golf Tour is going to be on TV, actual TV. Uh, that and more coming up. We're going to talk some NFL with Ben Volin from the Boston Globe. That's coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. NFL back in action week four coming up tomorrow night with Miami at Cincinnati. We're going to talk more NFL as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu. He's a senior NFL writer at the Boston Globe. Back with us, Ben Volan. Ben, good to talk to you again, I guess. We'll see if there's any update from you about the games in Tampa this week. The Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay should be a great game. Are we sure that game's going to be played in Tampa? No, we're not, and I just got off a phone call with the NFL where they said that the contingency plan would be to play the game Sunday in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, in case they can't play in Tampa. But it's too early to know anything. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the storm is just hitting Florida now. Uh, looks pretty terrible, so certainly sending thoughts and prayers out to everyone there who's uh, affected. But uh, the NFL is keeping an eye on this. The, the Bucks are in Miami practicing, and if they need to, we'll play the game in Minnesota. But uh, right now it's too early for the NFL to make any determination. They would lose the home field advantage not having their fans there, of course. I want to ask your opinion on Tampa. And Tom Brady, I guess, more specifically, we were talking yesterday about the injuries on the O-line, missing all of his, most of his receivers uh, last week, especially Mike Evans with the suspension. Is father time catching up with Tom Brady? Well, I think you just said it. It's not Tom Brady. It's everyone else around him. He, he's basically playing with the JV team. <laughs> and I, I don't care if you're Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. You need talent around you. And he doesn't have uh, three-fifths of his offensive line, and he's missing Godwin and Edvins, and there's obviously no Gronk this year. Uh, Julio Jones has been banged up. I mean, they're all banged up. So I'm not as worried about the Bucks. I, I think for them, this part of the year is still the preseason. Uh, the NFC is down this year. They could, st- you know, they're still two and one, and they can win a bunch of games even when they're not playing well. All that matters for this team is being healthy in December and January. And like I, they're going to coax Gronkowski out of retirement. <laughs> they're going to, you know, take Evans and Godwin and bring them along slowly. So it's not going to look good early in the season, but, uh, you know, that's a team that I think is built for January. They just have to get there healthy. So they're going to they're gonna have some lumps now, but they're still going to win some games, and I'm not too worried about them or Tom Brady. 
Never write off Tom Brady. We've learned that over the years. I want to ask about a couple of other teams and their quarterbacks. And I'm not a 49ers fan, but I thought it would be really funny in a way or something that people would be flipping out about if somehow the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback go to the Super Bowl after what transpired in the offseason. He did not look good against Denver. I thought he looked good the week before. How do you think he'll play over the course of the regular season? Yeah, that wasn't a great performance at Denver on uh, Sunday night. At the same time, this is a guy who didn't even have a preseason, so I think you have to give him a little bit of a break. Uh, didn't take any snaps in the preseason as he was coming back, and everyone thought he was going to be traded or released. So definitely a bizarre situation for him. Part of me thinks Kyle Shanahan is, like, rolling his eyes. Like, he's obviously tried to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's like <laughs> he just can't – they can't quit the situation. Like, here he is again with Garoppolo as his quarterback. <laughs> uh, that said, I think it was very smart to keep him – I think it would have been lunacy to just turn the team over to Trey Lance this year and trust him with everything. We already saw it. You know, he, he already got hurt. And, guys, you know, guys get hurt. Young quarterbacks get hurt. Mac Jones is hurt, too. So it, I thought it was very smart of them to ultimately keep Garoppolo, show that they weren't fully sold on Trey Lance. And I, I think they're probably better off for this year, I think, with Garoppolo. You know, maybe Trey Lance is better long-term, and getting him reps this year could help him develop into – a potential star quarterback, but I think this year for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, I definitely think they're better off with Garoppolo as their quarterback. You can follow Ben Volan on Twitter at Ben Volan. He's a senior NFL writer with the Boston Globe as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Tua Tagovailoa really under the microscope in the offseason. It looks like at least early on he has proved people wrong. What have you seen from Tua as far as his performance so far? Yeah, he's been great. There's no denying it. Tua has been fantastic. Uh, he's thrown for a ton of yards. That was a great comeback against the Ravens. Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, I do think some, a lot of it has to do with what they put around him. I think he's got probably the best weapons in the NFL in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, I think they've got a really underrated defense in Miami. And I think he's got a sharp coach. I like the hire of Mike McDaniel. I think he's a really smart offensive guy. He's a, a guy that I think the players respond too well after what they went through with Brian Flores the last couple of years. And I really think the Dolphins have done a good job of putting the pieces around Tua to kind of lift up Tua's game. I don't think Tua is the kind of guy that's going to put a team on his back and just carry them to victory, but with the, with the pieces around him, he's a very accurate passer, uh, and he gets, the ball, get, gets rid of the ball really quickly and, and has been getting it to his playmakers. So you know, the, the the wins have been a little fluky, like that that comeback against the Ravens, all the credit in the world to the Dolphins, beating the Bills despite getting outgained by almost 300 yards, like all the credit <laughs> to the Dolphins, but still it feels a little fluky, and so I'm curious to see how sustainable this all is. But two is doing great, and I think the Dolphins have really done a nice job of building up the team around him. There's still a few teams that are 2-1 and one and may be surprising to some, including Jacksonville, maybe the Bears. Cleveland is 2-1, and one, and I wonder what happens with Jacoby Brissett there if they end up 7-4, and four, and they have Atlanta this week, 7-4 and four when Deshaun Watson comes back. Do they immediately insert Deshaun Watson as a starter if Brissett is winning like that? I, I do think, you know, outside of Brissett going 10-1, and one, I think you're switching back to Watson no matter what. And and I love Jacoby Brissett. He's perfect for this situation. But there is a drastic difference in skill level between Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. And, yeah, Watson might be a little rusty at first, 
but he's your guy, and the the ceiling is so much higher with him. And the Browns have won. It hasn't been easy. It's been by the skin of their teeth, and they, I, frankly, they could be undefeated if not for blowing that game against the Jets. But, as, you know, it's early in the season. The schedule's been a little soft. Jacoby Brissett has done a great job, but there's no question that Deshaun Watson is the guy for that team. I guess they're already talking about that here in New England, too. What happens, what happens if Brian Hoyer wins some games? And do, do you put Mac Jones back in? It's like, we'll worry about that best-case scenario if it happens, if Brian Hoyer does go 5-0 and you know, in Mac Jones' place. But otherwise, you've you got to go back to your starters. There, there's, usually, there's usually a reason why the starter is the starter and the backup is the backup. And I guess that answers the question about Cooper Rush. We're talking with Ben Volan <laughs> from the Boston Globe here with the Animals. You mentioned you're in Boston with the Boston Globe. Your opinion on Bill Belichick, not so much of the job he's doing right now, if they continue to struggle with or without Mac Jones, how much longer do you think he'll be the head coach there? I know he wants to do it for a long time, and I don't think the Crafts are looking to replace him. Uh, now, look, if this season is, is a disaster, if they go 2-15, and 15, then I think maybe – then it starts to creep into their minds. But I don't see that scenario playing out. And um, I, I truly don't think the, Bel- the the Crafts really want to move on from Belichick. The, the, the Patriots actually, while they lost to the Ravens the other day, they showed some signs. The, the offense definitely came to life 450 yards. Just Mac Jones needs to not throw some bad interceptions. Um, now the season could go a little sideways now with Brian Hoyer as the quarterback. But uh, – Belichick definitely wants to coach for a while, and I still think you know he's a good coach who can still get his team to seven, eight, nine wins every season. So I don't think the Crafts are looking to move on, but the fans are restless and they're losing interest here. I mean, the TV ratings are down. Just there's a lot less interest in the team right now, so the Crafts will definitely take notice of that. Yeah, I would think it'd be more in Belichick that maybe he'd want to walk away and you know maybe go out on top if that's still possible. If they continue to struggle, I thought maybe. It might be on him, but you're saying he still wants to coach for a long time. We'll continue to follow the Patriots. Great to have the NFL back. Great to have you on our show, of course, Ben. Uh, We'll talk soon, and the NFL season is going to get better and better. Thanks again for your time. All right. Thank you very much. Ben Volan from the Boston Globe joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. And we also know a guy, too. Uh, we'll have another uh, traffic check here momentarily on ESPN Honolulu. By the way, he mentioned that um, uh, Ben was mentioned that uh, the storm in Florida, Hurricane Ian, and man, this is this is it's you know St. Petersburg, Tampa, Fort Myer, all of these cities in the path. This is uh, I guess it's still offshore, but they've got wind gusts of a hundred miles per hour. Um, it's already happening before. Uh, it looks really really close. The um, they had a in Florida they had a, a Category Four storm that hit in 2004, and the uh, the storm surge was about seven feet. Hurricane Ian is predicted at 18 feet. This is going to be a mess, man. But uh, yeah, more as as much as we can pray for the folks in Florida. This is this is going to be a big one. Um, if you want to check out the news on the radio from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. on CBS. 1500 uh it's a simulcast of khon news you can get your updates there all right uh coming up we'll go to the text line the zephyr insurance text line and take your calls at 808-296-1420 13 minutes away from the rivals fantasy football show on espn honolulu 
Okay, Rivals Fantasy Football Show coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Weather-wise today, going to be nice, uh, mostly sunny, kind of hot again. But the trades are back, cooling us down a little bit, uh, 10 to 20 miles per hour. And uh, um, for some reason, Gary and I were talking about Ruby Tuesday salad bars uh, during the break. That sounds good, doesn't it? I love it. I love that salad bar. Woo! Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Nate, thank you for calling in, 808-296-1420. What up, Nate? Hey, how's it going? Good. 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 Hey, I had an interesting NFL thought, right? I, I you know, uh, wanted to talk about the Lamar Jackson situation. And and I know uh, the last major quarterback that, that, that the Baltimore Ravens had and they had the contract issue was with Joe Flacco. And I remember that year because that was the year they made the wild card and made the run and, all, and won the Super Bowl. But that year he was playing on not having a long-term contract as well. Uh-huh. So it's inter- interesting to see that the Baltimore Ravens have seen this story before. And it worked <laughs> out really well for the organization for them not paying them. So there's a little bit of a pattern there. I, I know they did give offer him a contract, but it wasn't the guaranteed money that he wanted, mm-hmm. right? But they gam- they gambled like this before, and, and it paid off really well for him because Flacco did get paid, but they got the Super Bowl in turn. So I just wanted to weigh in and give an interesting thought on that. Have a great day, you guys. Thanks. Thank you. You know, I think he turned down fifty million a year. It would have come out to. I think it was, you know, he he was upset that the report leaked on the dollar amount, but the uh-huh. report said it was going to be two hundred and fifty million, fifty million a year, not all guaranteed. Okay, that's why. Right. It's but it's hard to turn down fifty million a year, even if. And again, I know he's been, I don't know, injury prone is the right label. He's been injured a few times. Well, but he's also not he he doesn't COVID. Have an, uh, some yeah. of that was COVID. COVID part of it, yeah. But he's also right. had a couple of injuries. He doesn't have an agent. He represents himself, and he's he's betting on himself. Uh, it's hard to turn out that kind of money. But when you see what other quarterbacks are making, you can't blame him. And after three weeks, he's the best in the league right now. Arguably, uh, maybe not even debatable that he is that good. I hope he doesn't get hurt and cost himself money. For next year, but I mean the Flacco thing. I think it was a little different situation. Flacco was a little older than Lamar is right now, and this was going on. Yeah. Lamar Flacco, hasn't had playoff success either. Flacco was nowhere near an MVP. I don't think. I mean, I think he mm-hmm. had a good year, but you know, I, I, you know, the Super Bowl win. A lot of that is, is uh, Ed Reed and um, uh, Ray, Ray Lewis, Lew- right? I mean, that was perhaps one of the best defenses we've ever seen right you know and so i don't know i think it's i think it's apples and oranges and i think you know what's cool though is that you know you talk about say a couple of quarterbacks who are having their best year if the mvp race which i said yesterday it was too early to tell they're actually debating that now the mvp race already online but the mvp right now would be up between tua tonga vailoa and lamar jackson maybe jalen hurts I think those three would be the top three. Oh, Jalen Hurts, too. Yeah, sorry, Jalen Hurts as well. Remember when when Flacco went through that deal, though, and they ended up paying him? They they couldn't afford other players. I forget how many, but they lost, I think, three or four key players. They just couldn't afford them because of the salary cap. So if Lamar Jackson's going to get, depending on how it's constructed, of course, but, you know, it's going to maybe cost them some other players on their team. They wouldn't be able to pay him. I mean, the salaries are just crazy. $50 million a year is is going to be the norm for – 10, 15 quarterbacks in the next year or two, or the right. average. You know, there's a way to do it. I think people are actually smarter uh, in finding loopholes, if you will, mm. in, in the salary cap. I mean, it's why you can pay Patrick Mahomes what you do, 
and you can you can also pay Travis Kelsey and some of these other guys. You just got to get creative. But yeah, I mean, basically, if you're going to pay all your money to your quarterback and you have nobody else, what do you have? You got right. Archie Manning. You got Archie Manning on his butt all day, all afternoon. Well, that's what happened to the Ravens after they won the Super Bowl. They paid Flacco, maybe not to that extent. They paid Flacco, and they had a loot. They couldn't afford a few other yeah, free agents. I don't know if they paid him that much. Where I think they just lost guys because guys all of a sudden were offered a lot more money from. Uh, was it Todd Heap and and some of these other guys? Mm, they were all, wow. you know, they were all gone. But anyway, I got a time for a couple of texts, okay. if you will, at um, the Zephyr Insurance text line, and we were talking about. Um, Rainbow Warrior football earlier, uh, this texter says, Hi, guys, thanks for bringing this up. Successful football is based on deception, whether on offense or defense. I'd like to see them, meaning UH, try new things, even if it doesn't work. Trick plays, flea flickers, reverse, halfback pass, something. The one time they ran the option that I've seen, they scored a touchdown, but I haven't seen them run it since. Here's the best part. Thanks again for being positive. As you often are. <laughs> uh, all right, you're way more positive and optimistic to me. Yeah, you know what? I think that's. I think you know what? Just entertainment value. If you can run some of these, the problem with running the option is we need some a quarterback who can run. That's been yeah, the problem. I think starts there, maybe but, ends there. You know, maybe uh, Armani Eden or something like that. All right, I wish we could get to more. We, we'll do it uh, coming up in a bit. But fantasy footballers. Get your questions in for our expert, Vinny Iyer. If you want help with your lineup, text it in or call 808-296-1420. Now, Vinny's going to join us in about 20 minutes. So in the meantime, if you uh, you know you don't want to call up, just text in your question. We'll get it to him. And uh, good luck on your fantasy football season. It's uh, coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Now, Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. All right, shout out to all fantasy football players. It's time to get better right now. Yes, it is. And we will give you some of the key matchups this weekend in just a couple of minutes for starting them or sitting them. And there's always some good ones, interesting ones, again, based on the opponents from this week. I did want to start, and Chris, I know it's still so early in the fantasy football season. And it's not really a trivia question, but can you guess who is the leading fantasy football player in PPR League, not a quarterback? Who is the leading, like, point getter? Yes, the first eight are all quarterbacks. Oh, the first non-quarterback. First non-quarterback, yes. The first non-quarterback, I would have to say, is Corderell Patterson, since we were talking about him off the air. You would think so. I mean, he's he's had he had a great week. He hasn't had Adam, a great. Adam more than a Thielen. No, no, it's a running back. It's Nick Chubb, which I oh. would I would not have guessed him at all. I would have probably gone. Well, I know Justin Jefferson yeah. had a great week one, but not a great week two. If you saw the Pittsburgh Cleveland game, that should have come to my mind first. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and Cooper Chubb, Cup would have been a pick. Nick Chubb looked like New Mexico State's running backs against Hawaii. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and I have him, so I was glad. But you, you know what I want to bring out also as far as top 20 overall? Two quarterbacks that we are very familiar with and big fans of. And I'm not surprised that Tua is number five overall. He's averaging 22.4 points a game. 
really good average. It's not surprising after what we've seen, I mean, especially in the second game when he had all those touchdown passes against the Ravens. But this is a little bit of a surprise, though. Marcus Mariota. And, you know, the Atlanta Falcons did win that one game, but he is 18th overall in PPR. He's averaging 17.3 points a game. Is that because he runs and throws for touchdown passes? Part of it. He did have the touchdown run this past Sunday against Seattle. And I believe he had another – he had a touchdown run, I believe, in the first game of the season as well. I would not have predicted or – you know, I am surprised, again, that he'd be a top-20 fantasy player right now. I'm I'm glad for him and, you know, glad for him because he's Marcus, of course. But that's that's a little surprising and pretty impressive on the same front. Okay, when you look at that, how is Geno Smith – serious question you never thought you'd hear on this show – how is Geno Smith fantasy-wise? See, and I know because he had a really good game last week, he is the 19th-ranked quarterback. Quarterback. Now, now I'm, not, I'm putting him oh, just okay. in the quarterback. He's week. not. Okay. Because week one, he didn't throw for a lot of yards. He had a great completion percentage. That doesn't help as much in fantasy. But you know what? It's a respectable, considering it's Geno, for a little under 15 points a game, 14.75. How's, how's uh, Trace McSorley doing? I don't. I don't I think thought, he's played. I thought. I thought. Just throwing you a curveball. I know you liked him in college too, coming into the NFL. I did. He's a good backup quarterback, I guess. Yeah. Somebody. Somebody gave him that famous quote that you hear. He couldn't uh, throw a. He couldn't throw a football in the ocean, or you know, one of those lines when he came into the league. But I thought he was good in college as well. Uh, but I am surprised again that Marcus, and I'm glad with him there for tight end. You know, we always talk about Travis Kelsey. We always talk about Kittle. It was Gronk when he was playing. Mark Andrews. This has got to be at least the second or third year where he should be the first pick in the draft. And, of course, he is leading tight end. Well, I think he was was rated as the number one tight end uh, on ESPN's uh, uh, fantasy rankings coming in our draft. I believe he was number one, yeah. I think everybody – well, I know everybody is aware of how good he is now, and they were aware of how good he was last year. But he – I don't want to say he came out of nowhere, but, again – Gronk was that good, but he wasn't always playing a full season in recent years. But it was always Kelsey and Kittle, and more so Kelsey, especially because he had Patrick Mahomes as opposed to Jimmy G. Right. Fantasy-wise, I don't I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Kittle, just because of the use of Dabo Sweeney and, um, you know, De- other Debo things. Samuel. Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. say Dabo Sweeney? Wake up. Yeah. Wake, wake up. It's 8 o'clock. Anyway, with uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, too, I mean, fantasy-wise. But, I mean, I think the way that they've, they've, they've gotten away from using Kittle like they used to. So I, I think fantasy-wise, he's not the guy, not because of a lack of, of talent or anything. I think they just don't use him as much as they used to. Darren Waller this year seems to be the same way. Yeah, and Fryermuth, both for the Steelers, depending on who the quarterback is coming up, I don't know, uh, you know, that might be a guy to talk a little bit more about, fantasy-wise. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up those names because Waller, and he just signed a new deal based on last year, I would have picked him third best tight end fantasy-wise 
at least. Well, I mean, I wouldn't pick him over Kelsey. And he's not doing that bad, but he's fifth right now. But he's only averaging seven points a game. And that's what I think wow. one of the things about tight end. They're not going to put up typically the numbers of a receiver, a running back, which means you don't have to draft the tight end that early unless right. you're getting a Kelsey. But you bring up Kittle, who just played in his first game of the year. He's on my team. I know he had single digits. I think it was about seven or eight points. But, you know, he, he, coming off the injury, I guess he's not in full sync yet or, you know, still in midseason form, as some people would say, even though it's not the middle of the season, though. You know, speaking of tight ends, you know who a guy is? I'm, I'm sure this guy's – I had him and dropped him uh, early because I just didn't need him. But Irv Smith, mm. the tight end for Minnesota. And I'll just say this because I mentioned earlier I was w- watching a replay on the NFL Network of the um, Vikings and Lions – and Irv Smith came up with some key catches pretty far down the field. I mean, he's he's projected at eight points, which is pretty good tight end-wise. I mean, a, a, another tight end for, is the Jets' Tyler Conklin. I mean, he's a guy that um, maybe, uh, you know, if you've, you got a guy that has a bye, maybe somebody got injured, the Jets' Tyler Conklin might be the guy. Don't laugh. Um, uh, I think he scored their last touchdown, and it wasn't last week because they didn't get a touchdown last week. Against <laughs> it was four field goals. And you bring up Irv Smith. He's averaging four and a half points, 18. But here's a guy. And oh, I'll that's be all, on, huh? Yeah, Irv Smith? Yeah, and I'll be honest. I, I barely knew the name, and if you asked me what position before the season, I probably would have gotten it wrong. He's a tight end for Indianapolis, Jelani Woods, 13.3 points he is averaging. Wow. And uh, uh, very impressive there. But the thing is about Woods, it's only in one game where he hasn't played all three. So, you know, maybe, you know, he had one good game. but Oh, okay. So in one game he had 13, so that's why he's averaging that? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's kind of a wait and see. Maybe you, you take him and you just hide him just in case. But um, Irv Smith Jr., the, what he did against uh, the Lions, I mean, they got a tougher defense in New Orleans coming up on the road. But even though he's only had four points, just keep an eye on him. Not See, saying maybe pick him up, right. I guess, but keep an eye on that guy. See, I mean, you compare him with a guy like Kyle Pitts, he's averaging 4.2. And we know about Kyle Pitts with not getting the targets in the first two games. Okay, what about Will Disley? Remember? Yes. In, uh, in uh, Seattle's first game, he got a couple of touchdown passes, and I believe he got one last week. I, mm. I mean, is that a guy? Is that a guy? I don't know if he's how good he is, but uh, I don't know. Is that a guy you think about maybe? I don't know. Fantasy-wise, only 6.6 in the three games that he has mm. played. But, see, that's a good point, though, that you bring up the way you look at tight ends because, again, there's, there's not a lot of great tight ends. We mentioned three or four really, really good ones. The separation or the difference between, let's say, number five and number 25 is not that great. Oh. So, so, I mean, again, you got so many guys. Again, number three overall, and this is for total points, would be Zach er, – uh, no, excuse me, um, Dallas Goddard of Philadelphia, 7.6. Zach Ertz, 7.1. But they're all in the 5, 6, 7 range. So you can get yeah. a guy later. I mean, we're not talking draft, of course, anymore. But if you're looking at the waiver wire and you see some of those names, like a TJ Hawkinson, you know, only averaging five, uh, or some guys like that, you can pick them up as a backup maybe for a bye week because they're not going to be that much of a drop-off unless you have a Travis Kelsey. But mm-hmm. if you have somebody like a Darren Waller, you think, well, Darren Waller's great. I can't believe I got him. He's only averaging seven points. And the, the Oakland, or the Oakland, the Las Vegas offense right now is a little weird in that, you know, we talked about Hollins, the receiver, I think, might have been during the break, outperforming Devontae Adams. But 
the tight end, again, the differential is not that big. Where if you have a Darren Waller, you can almost get anybody else off the waiver wire if you don't have a backup for your bye week, and you're not going to miss that much the way it looks right now, and things definitely could change. I do want to bring up a couple of players uh, for starting them or sitting them based on their matchups for this week, just a few at each position. Damian Pierce, we've heard so much about him in the preseason for the Houston Texans, and yes, they have Rex Burkhead, didn't have a great first week, but this past weekend, 20 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. And I would imagine, I've heard other people in other leagues tell me, hey, this is the guy I picked up, this guy Damian Pierce, he's not bad. I believe Tanner has him in our league. He stole them from you and I. But he's a good <laughs> he, he's a good player, and based on the Chargers not having a great running defense right now, they've led up the six most fantasy points to running backs. He'd be a good guy to start this week, even though he's not a Pro Bowl running back, of course. You know, you know who would be a, a, a good running back to start this week anybody who is playing the new england patriots or the dallas cowboys maybe even the arizona cardinals i'm just looking at non-fantasy stats Mm. and these guys so far have given up a lot of rushing yards yeah they have they they definitely have i mean you said dallas though right yes dallas cowboys have given up uh they're giving up an average of 169 dollars $169 a game, 169 uh, yards a game. I almost wonder, I mean, this is not a fantasy thing, but with Micah Parsons even, I mean, as great as he is, I would try to stay away from him just because he's that great. I mean, he can do everything. But I know what your point is. Overall, their team defense hasn't been very strong as they've expected to be, and especially in the running game. That's a really good point. And I I look at those matchups a lot when I'm determined because you might have a really good player in your roster, but if he's going up against the number one defense, let's just say it's Indianapolis like they were in the past, you're not going to start him if he's going up against a weak defense with a lesser player like against the New York Jets who were 32nd in the league last year. It's a small sample size, but these are teams where you you might question yourself. These are teams against the run. Uh, number one, you got the L.A. Rams. They're averaging 60 yards uh, given up a game rushing. Uh, number one, Rams. Number two, Tennessee. Number three, I've been talking about them all year. San Francisco's defense is studly, giving up 71 yards a game rushing. The Las Vegas Raiders, surprisingly, uh, are great against, have been great against the run, followed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. All of those teams give up less than 100 yards a game. That's pretty sporty. It's a great point you bring up. And but, for ex- but I'm sorry, a small sample size again. Go ahead. But that's all you have to base it on right now, so you have to go with that. For example, I have Jeff Wilson on my team for the Niners now that Mitchell's out, and they're going up against the Rams. So I w- I've been starting him the last two weeks, and he's been good, but the Rams only let up 11.5 points to running backs for fantasy. So I'm going to wow. probably sit him this week and go with somebody else just because of the opponent. You talked about the Rams' defense. This week, it's not a good matchup to start a guy who was pretty good the last two weeks. Right. By the way, the Rams, speaking of the Rams and the 49ers, both teams early in this season – 12 sacks so that talks about their defensive line right do they play cincinnati a lot (laughs) (laughs) actually cincinnati has 10 sacks i told you cincinnati the problem isn't defense with cincinnati they got a really sporty defense and that's another reason i think that tua tagovailoa should sit but that's a yeah talk about that later sorry yeah, I, i'm just bringing it up because burrow had he was sacked 13 times in the first right. weekend i'm not sure about the against the jets but uh uh he probably got a, he probably got sacked once or twice just by being there and he just has a slow release a, a longer holding on to the ball than a brady as an example 
Um, all right, Vinny Iyer is going to join us in a few minutes. So if you've got a question, text it in or call 808-296-1420. Also, keep listening because after Vinny's done, we're going to give away a fabulous prize. What is it? A Matt Ryan autograph, authentic autograph photo. You will love it. Had a big win last week for Indianapolis now, and you will love this photo. All right, that's uh, coming up in just a few minutes. Go ahead. We've got a couple of minutes here. Okay, you know, I just want to bring up uh, another player that maybe you should start, and this somebody you like, and I, you might not like this matchup because they're going up against your Steelers, but it's Brees Hall. And it's not so much that they're going up against the Steelers because we, we, everybody knows they have a really good defense. It's just that Brees Hall now is slowly every week getting increased carries more than Michael Carter. So that's the reason if you have a Brees Hall, even though, again, it's a good defense. But you know what's weird, though? The Steelers have given up a lot of yards rushing so far this year, which doesn't make sense to me. How about and this? And Minka Fitzpatrick is in concussion protocol. I know he's a safety, but I don't know how that, you know, we'll see. Okay, I just so mentioned. No T.J. Watt, no mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick, two of their best defensive players, two of the best defensive players in the league. Which would explain this. The Rams I just mentioned, average they let up 11.5 points, 11.6 points to running backs this year. The Pittsburgh Steelers on the other side of that, they let up almost 26 points uh, points a game to fantasy running backs for the opponent. That's a big difference. That's a major difference. So if you're going up against the Steelers like Brees Hall, knowing that he's going to get more carries than Michael Carter, you might want to start him this week. Why is he going to get more carries uh, than Michael Carter? Michael Carter's on my bench. And uh, not you, Michael Carter, great University of Hawaii quarterback. We're talking about another Michael Carter. Because if Michael Carter from Hawaii was on my team, I'd be starting him. Just, you know, saying that. But anyway, anyway, Michael Carter, did, why is he starting to get less reps? Well, I didn't notice. I didn't see any of the game. Me either. You didn't miss much. <laughs> part of it, part of it is that he's also involved in the passing game for Brees Hall, so he's getting more targets uh. with the passing game and with the running situation. I mean, but we heard, with an yeah. offensive line that can't block, would you start Brees Hall? Great point, because they lost their third left tackle. Which Are is, you serious? How, how can you do that? Bakai Becton, Dwayne right. Brown, and George uh-huh. Fent uh, out now. He's on IR, maybe not out out for the year. The other yeah. two guys, uh, we know that Becton's out for the year, and we think that Dwayne Brown could be out for the year. Uh, Fant is going to be out at a minimum of <laughs> four weeks. Well, how do you feel about Will Anderson next year playing for the New York Oh, Jets? please, 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 football gods. All right, coming up, uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Also, Locked On uh, Locked On Network Fantasy Football is the podcast he has, too. Coming up on ESPN Honolulu, this is the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, brought to you by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM at 1420 AM. All right, it's a beautiful day in Hawaii, Nay. I, I feel almost guilty saying that with what's going on in Florida. My goodness. But weather-wise today, mostly sunny. The trades are back at 10 to 20 miles per hour. High in the upper 80s. Hopefully it's, it doesn't feel as hot as it did yesterday. 
And now it is time to welcome our national expert to help us all with our fantasy lineups this week. We are joined right now uh, on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. He's an NFL and fantasy football writer with the Sporty News, also a host on the Locked On Network fantasy football show. Vinny Iyer back with us. Vinny, thank you so much for joining us. I've got a whole bunch of questions from our listeners at 808-296-1420 via the Zephyr Insurance hotline. You guys can call them in as well. Are there any really good pickups this week that you recommend based on matchups, first of all? Yeah, it's not a lot out there this particular week uh, with the positions and not having as much attrition, but definitely want to get the backup running back sewed up. Uh, Khalil Herbert behind uh, David Montgomery. We're not sure if he's going to play with his knee and ankle injuries. Dalvin Cook also questionable with that shoulder injury, so Alexander Madison behind him, and then the deeper leaguers can look at Craig Reynolds. He's going to fill the DeAndre Swift role with Jamal Williams there. Great matchup at home against the Seahawks. So looking to the NFC North for some backup running back help. And then if you need to stream some quarterbacks, there's some not bad options this week. Look to that game, Detroit, Seattle, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff. Goff had a really good number to cost a couple of games. Well, he have a whole bunch of questions. Here's the first one from one of our listeners for you, Vinny. Joe Mixon or Tony Pollard for this week? Yeah, that's actually a tougher question than it would have been maybe when week one. But Mixon will check out the ankle injury. I don't know if they're going to hold him back here on Thursday night uh, with Samaji P. Ryan playing well. But I would still stick with Mixon here. Tony Pollard, you're not sure what the split is going to be. And I think uh, Commander's an easier team to pass on than run on. Here's another question. You want you to pick two of these receivers. Mike Williams, Michael Thomas, Isaiah McKenzie, and Adam Thielen. Well, I think you're definitely going to go with Mike Williams. He's locked in here. Michael Thomas will have to see with his injury if he's going to go there. If not, I kind of like Isaiah McKenzie this week to go in that direction because I think he'll get involved quite a bit in the slot for the Bills against that Ravens defense. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, also the host of the Locked On Network Fantasy Football Show, joining us here on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show on ESPN Honolulu. Let's go back to our text line. Here's another one. Antonio Gibson. Stevenson from New England or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he needs one. Yeah, I think you still stick with Antonio Gibson. He's the guy that's going to get the guaranteed touches there as long as Brian Robinson Jr. is out. So he's had some good games against the Cowboys in the past. So I'm going to stick with Gibson there just based on volume over Stevenson. For the flex position, another texter wants to know, he has Gibson, Jamal Williams, and Curtis Samuel. Who do you recommend? I 100% would say go with Jamal Williams this week. I think he can have a big week. We saw what Cordell Patterson did to that Seahawks run defense. So Jamal Williams, this Lions running game is elite. And if he's going to get the bulk of the carries, he's got to go Jamal Williams. Another flex question comes in. Chris Olave or Curtis Samuel? This is an interesting one. I think Curtis Samuel is the type of receiver that the Cowboys could struggle with. But let's watch those injuries again in New Orleans. Uh, Michael Thomas heard and Jarvis Landry hurt. Traquan Smith also was banged up. So Chris Olave could really command a lot of targets. Let's also watch the quarterback situation because there's a chance Jameis Winston may not play in London. So we'll factor all those things in here. But I think Olave is the better upside play. Samuel is the better floor play this week. Another text question, Miami Dolphins defense or the Philadelphia Eagles defense? That's an interesting uh, combination. I would go with the Eagles. They're a little bit safer. They're at home. The Dolphins are on a short week on the road. They were on the field for many plays, and 
plays against the Bills. They're going to be worn down a little bit going to Cincinnati. Is the Giants' defense against the Bears a good choice this week? <laughs> yes, I do like the Giants' defense in the game, but I also like the Bears' defense in that same game. So I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. That total is uh, well under 40 here for that game. So two mistake-prone offenses there with Daniel Jones and Justin Fields. If you have a question for Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, give us a call or a text at 808-296-1420, and we got one right now. Will Kyler Murray start getting better, uh, getting better numbers soon? Let's hope so. I mean, the biggest thing that we need from Kyler Murray is running, and this is a big concern. He only had two attempts there for eight yards last week when his team could have used him a little bit more. So this is the problem with Kyler Murray. You drafted him because you want him to run, so – He's got to get it done in the passing game. This is a tough week against Carolina. He's got to run, however. So you've got to look for maybe alternatives to start thinking about here. I wouldn't bench him quite yet, but uh, it is concerning that he's not running. Here's another question involving receivers. We've talked about Curtis Samuels or Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think here the safe play with uh, Thomas being bagged up. I like Curtis Samuel. He's getting consistent targets again. If one guy is going to do the most damage against that Cowboys defense and the way they play zone, it's going to be Curtis Samuel. Here's one. I had somebody texted in, but I'm interested in what you say about what rookies are lighting it up that many owners aren't starting in their fantasy league yet. Well, I think uh, this week we'll pivot to Romeo Dubs for the Packers. He's now got the trust of Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be a big deal here. I could also see George Pickens start to have a bigger role. These are the two guys that buzzed in the preseason here, so – those guys are going to come along. Traylon Burks is going to get going at some point. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, this is a wide receiver class looking really good here as rookies in 2022. Another text question. Do you think James Conner will have a piece of the production that he had last season? I think it'll uh, come. I just don't know if the touchdowns are going to be there. It's a high amount of touchdowns. You usually don't duplicate it from one season to the next. But he is the goal line back. I think he'll be a little bit healthier this week. I think he was a little bit held back in practice, but the Panthers have been pretty giving against running backs, so I think he'll get it done this week. Another question, why is Justin Jefferson, especially after week one, why has his production dropped so much? Well, he's definitely demanding the attention of defenses. That's one thing. He did face a tough matchup there in week two of Darius Slay. I think the Vikings just didn't get the ball to him enough with Kirk Cousins against the Lions secondary, so I think he'll be okay. He'll do well against the Saints this week. Marshawn Lattimore not playing as well as he can, and uh, the speed is going to be a problem there for Lattimore in that one. So I think Jefferson rebounds has a big week in London. Vinny, can you tell our listeners that they want to reach you throughout the fantasy football season? What's the best way to go about it, what you can offer them? Yeah, you could uh, go to sportingnews.com. I write the fantasy football startup sit-em column every week. It's up there now for week four. You can also check out my analysis every weekday. On the Lockdown Network, Lockdown Fantasy Football, breaking down the matchups, the waiver wire, all the good stuff you need to know to dominate your league. Definitely good advice. Vinny, again, thank you so much for joining us and helping out everybody in fantasy football. We'll look forward to doing it again later on this season. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you so much. Vinny Iyer, he is an NFL and fantasy football writer with the Sporting News and also the host of the Lock On Network Fantasy Football Show. Check that out as he joins us here on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. We'll see you in a Kia. Uh, LockedOnPodcast.com is uh, where to get uh, uh, a bunch of really good podcasts. But, um, yes, very good. Okay, time now 
to uh, make you a winner. Call in at 808-296-1420, courtesy of Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge. We're giving this away. A Matt Ryan authentic autograph photo. You will love it, and it could be yours. All right. You just got a simple trivia question on Matty Ice. Uh, Call in and win now on the Rivals Fantasy Football Show on ESPN Honolulu. This is Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, tail end of the uh, Rivals Fantasy Football Show here on ESPN Honolulu. Sam is calling in. He wants to win. Okay, Sam, I have a feeling you must be a Colts fan because you want to wear the, win, maybe wear the Matt Ryan <laughs> autograph photo. Can you give me, within two, how many touchdown passes in the first three games of the season has Matty Ice thrown? Well, Matt, Matt's thrown six TDs at this point, my brother, for sure. Straight on the dot. You said he's thrown six to this point. I, I believe it's. I believe it's. Oh no! Actually, let me. No, it's actually not only half of that. Give me three. We'll go three. Is that your final answer? Final answer. <laughs> three. You were so sure with six. I'm glad you changed it from six because that was not within two. But we uh, let you switch it. You got it right on the button with three. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, Didn't they I lose a game like? Didn't they have a game like they lost like twenty something to zero? This is Jacksonville. Well, first, first, first week, first week was a crazy ass tie to Houston, which killed me. And then right. yeah, we uh, we just we just can't win in Jacksonville, man. It's been like six years we had to win there. And then last week was a big one, guys. Same same reason why we can't win in Jacksonville. We got Andy Reid's number. We beat them the last like six, you know, out of the like, last six seven games. We beat them like five mm-hmm. times. So, right. but it's gonna be a springboard, boys. Springboard to big wins. Let's go. He is a fan. Uh, He's a diehard. Right on. Okay. Hey, good job. Hold on the line so we can get you your prize. And uh, we'll be back at 8 o'clock. It is the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Rivals Fantasy Football on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, and we start talking again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was waiting for the where, cue. Okay, where are we? We're good on breaks uh, coming up. Yeah, that was a that was a, a good fun show, and um, we got more coming up here with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. I saw something uh, in the news that the um, Rolling Stone magazine. Remember Rolling Stone magazine? Yeah. The uh, they have come up with their list of the top. 100 greatest TV shows of all time. Now, for some reason, I have the list, but it only goes to 50. But can you guess the greatest TV show of all time? Yes. And, I, and when I saw the list, it was on their Instagram page for the Rolling Stone. I oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it all. You had to scroll down and scroll down and switch pages. So I gave up when I was down like 20-whatever. <laughs> 
But uh-huh. I, I was hopeful that it would be the Sopranos. And one thing I do did notice, and I feel a little bad about in a way, is that if you're a TV show that was great, let's say, in the 70s, you're probably not going to be ranked high now because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, even though it's probably on Nick at Night or whatever those shows, those channels are. So you, have, you probably have more current shows. But to me, the Sopranos is the greatest show of all time with Seinfeld the close second. The you know, and I guess what they're doing is that they're, um, critically they're looking at it as critics, uh, critically as critics. Maybe they're looking at because some of these shows I've never even heard of. And you have a show like somebody just texted in MASH, a show like MASH, which is wasn't that the longest running TV show of all time, which would tell me it's a pretty successful television show. MASH is at number 25 on the list. I think because it's so but, long ago, it might be the reason that it's almost forgotten about a little bit, because it was great. No, because Mary Tyler Moore finished in the top 10. Oh, it was a great show, but okay, that, that defeats that concept right there. I think The Simpsons was the, the longest-running uh, show. That in Gunsmoke? I don't know. Hawaii Five O. I think the, the Jack Lord one, I think, was for a while, too, mm. is one of the t- Anyway, uh, so Sopranos was number one. The Simpsons, which you hate because you call it a cartoon, I don't hate is number two. You you don't like it was the Family Guy. It was whatever it was. Steve, uh, what was the name of the Pete Best of the sports animals? Steve Murray. Oh, Steve. <laughs> Mur- Sorry, Steve Murray and I loved the you know Family Guy or that was the, the Simpsons. One. Yeah, but I mean it's not a cartoon anyway. The Simpsons was second. Breaking Bad was number three. Yeah. The Wire, which I can't get into, is number four. Um, let's see. Seinfeld is actually is number six on the list. Somewhere I missed somebody. Uh, there, there's Mad Men and the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Sesame Street, by the way, number 26. Get this, though. Friends, one of the most wildly popular television shows ratings-wise. I mean, that came in 49th place. I'm surprised it's so far back than Seinfeld. Not that they're the same show concept, but just, they're close right. enough. But just because of just in reruns alone, those guys are making millions. Anyway, yeah. uh, here's where we go. So um, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, a show you and I love. Yeah. Number 39. I mean, if you're going by, if, the, if you're going by, uh, if you're critically acclaimed stuffs, Curb Your Enthusiasm should be in the top 10. Definitely. Definitely. I mentioned Mash at number twenty-five. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's all in the family David, up there. David Letterman. David, David Letterman. Letterman, number forty-four. See, late night with David Letterman. That that late night with David Letterman was a show that shaped how we watch late night television now. I yep. mean, if, yep. if critics have it at number forty-four. Johnny That's Carson crazy. was way back there, I think in the 80s, I believe, when I looked at that yesterday. Wow, yeah, I don't, I, I can't find a, a 51 to 100, but uh, Columbo is number 45. Now, how could you have Columbo without McLeod, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who Good rides point. a horse down the streets of New York City? <laughs> Dennis Weaver, McLeod, that belongs in the top 50. But here's the biggest robbery of all. The biggest robbery of all, when you talk about groundbreaking television series, is All in the Family at number 21. Mary Tyler Moore above All in the Family? Come on. 
Mary Tyler Moore was very funny. It was had some serious episodes. All in the family had it all. I mean, it was maybe not as funny, although it was very funny, but it had some very serious topics there. And right. it was ahead of its time in a way, because things you talked about then, you probably couldn't use some of those words. Well, you definitely oh, can't you use can't. some of those words now. You kidding me? The, 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 the racism on that show? Yes. Even flushing toilets. <laughs> I mean, the, the, uh, what right. show was it? And maybe somebody knows this. What show was it where they first showed a couple laying down in bed? For Same example, bed. if you watch the Dick Van Dyke show with Mary Tyler Moore, they slept in single beds. The Flintstones slept in single bed, you know, twin beds next to each other. What show was it? And I'm sure somebody knows the answer. What show was it where they first actually slept in a bed or laid together in a bed? At, all in the family. They flushed the toilet on television, and that was the first time you could hear a toilet flush on TV. That's right. But the separate beds thing, I even as a kid, I always thought yeah. that was right. They're a married couple, and every show back then, you're right, they were in separate right. beds. But then they also come home and give you a cigarette and a shot of whiskey. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke would come home from work. Here's your drink. I'm yes. in an apron. Here's your drink. And here, let me light your cigarette for you, honey. I always thought. When Maybe I watched... that's why they slept in separate beds. Yeah, yeah. The guy was drunk by the time it was bedtime. I used to watch Bewitched, and every time Darren came home, he yeah, would get Darren, a martini. Yeah, Darren, that's the one. He that's would get right. a martini. I thought that's every right. couple did that. I thought that's what a couple of businessmen coming home from work, they would get a martini as I soon as they, they got did. home from work. Right, I was thinking of, I, it was, that was what I was thinking of, Bewitched, not uh, Dick Van Dyke. But I'm sure Dick Van Dyke came home and had a smoke. Probably, yeah, that sounds, <laughs> sounds familiar, but it's crazy how things have changed, uh, just what you're allowed to do, what you did do, and how things right. were viewed. Uh, Remember watching then. Johnny Carson? He'd be talking, and then you'd be, you couldn't see the cigarette, but you could see the smoke on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time he came back from a day off, and his ashtray or his cigarette lighter was broken. Because what happened to my lighter? On the air, he's oh. saying this, of course. Don Rickles was the host the night before, and he broke it. He walked <laughs> off the set into CPO Sharky, which was being oh, filmed next door, I saw and that. interrupted the taping and yelled at Rickles like Rickles would yell at people. I thought that right. was one of the best episodes ever. Yeah, that was that. I saw that. That's funny that I saw that. Uh, it was on YouTube. I'll bet, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was great. You know what is kind of a, a groundbreaking show that nobody really talks about? Where people actually got punched in the face is Jerry Springer. You know, Jerry Springer's not on the list, and I don't, you know. <laughs> that is so, but even he admitted it was a stupid show, which yeah. was crazy, but I understand because it, it was a crazy concept. You know, people probably got paid more to more they got violent or ripped off clothes or whatever they did. That was a very, I can't believe people actually were legitimate in their storytelling that they were giving there because oh, it's hard I to believe. I think a lot half of, of it, true. half of it was I th probably just made up. That's what I mean. That's I, what mean I mean, can you get people that are that stupid? I, well, they pay them and they act. I, I, I think half of it was made up too. So, what's your favorite show of all time? Minus The Sopranos, Seinfeld, two drama oh. comedy. What about you? Goes with Hogan's Heroes. Come on. <laughs> really? Goes without No, my favorite show of all time. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. My favorite movie of all time. John Wayne. Can, 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 no, no, no. My favorite movie of all time. And you'll it, it'll make sense when I tell you the name. Airplane. <laughs> I'm just laughing it's, here at the it's title. Just, it's just <laughs> stupid. That's the only movie I was in a theater actually in the aisle on my hands and knees laughing. It was just such a stupid movie, I couldn't stand it. What's your favorite movie of all time? 
before we lose the rest of our audience. I would probably go with Godfather would be up there. Uh, oh. Goodfellas, um, dramas like Animal House and The Jerk, even though they were da- they're dated now, just where those are movies where I couldn't stop laughing out loud at the theater. All right. it, it's a quarter to nine with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, it's a sports talk radio show. We'll do that coming up next. <laughs> Hey, once again, I want to say congratulations to our pal Chad Konishi. He is the new Chaminade University baseball coach. Hey, I'm looking at uh, Chaminade has a, uh, a a tweet here. Uh, he's looking in great shape. He really pulled down, brah. Yeah, Chad, you ain't pulled down, brah. You look good. <laughs> okay, uh, what are we doing? Texts and phone calls, 808-296-1420. That's the number uh, to call in here. And um, let's see, we got a lot of texts for the fantasy football show here's uh one what well, we're talking about tv shows old tv shows catch the uh, dean martin celebrity roasts if you want politically incorrect <laughs> yes. oh my gosh that's it's hard to watch it's hard to watch with the way we live now and the things they say on those shows with guests like nipsey russell and wilt chamberlain in attendance <laughs> nipsey russell that's wow. hard anyway uh he says dean martin was the texter says Dean Martin flicking his cigarette out in George Govel's drink on the Tonight Show. I George Goebbels, Gebel, Goebel, I don't know who that is, George, whatever. But putting his cigarette out in his drink. <laughs> what was funny about that, I remember that clip, George, it's not Goebel, that's not the name, is that George Goebbels. was George was looking at Johnny Carson the whole time, so he never knew the ashes were going into his drink. Dean Martin was off to one side. George is looking at Gar- Carson, Johnny Carson on the other side. So he had no idea. And every 30 seconds or so, Dean Martin would do that. He was drunk, looked like. And the audience was <laughs> cracking up. George Goebbels thought he was laughing. at People were laughing at a joke. And I believe he took a sip <laughs> or two of it as well. That would made it even funny, the fact that he had no idea that was what was going on because he had his eye focused on Johnny Carson to his uh, left. All right. Here's a text. How's it, animals? Suggestion. Get your engineer more involved in your dialogue. Uh, they want to hear uh, your point of view. What is your point of view on that, Tanner? On like, I I was doing something on the other side. What was the point of view on what? Uh, so you see, that's why Good. he's not involved. <laughs> Fair question, though, actually. Um, oh, folks are texting in. Uh, got a few texts. Is there a, a call the coach tonight? No. We will do call the coach weeks of home games with Timmy Chang coming soon. Because uh, they're already practicing. I didn't know this. Uh, call the coach with Charlie Wade. Huh? Oh. You know they're practicing? I guess I they have they a st- fall practice yeah. period. But we okay. should have a call the coach with uh, brother Charlie. Find out what's going on with the national champs. They can bring the trophies with him so we could get to view them once again. Right. Trophies, so next, plural. Yeah. So the next call the coach would be on the 13th, I believe. If 12th. I got that. The 12th, is it? Yes. The uh, Anyway, the, before the October 15th game. Thank you, guys. Uh, for texting in uh somebody wants to know if they should start damian pierce or is it madison who sorry i'll pre-read next time damian pierce i know is a good uh start for this week i'm not sure to be honest who mattinson is maybe Tanner i think that's know. the vikings backup running back alex alexander madison well cook is hurt right oh really you know, i watched that game hurt. i was watching him run in that game must have been later on in the game that, that would be the reason I guess he's asking that question. Damon Pierce, I think, is going to be a bigger factor for the Texans. Okay. 
Somebody wants to know if tomorrow's game is on CBS. You the, mean the for, NFL game? They, every Thursday game is expected to be on CBS. It will be on CBS 1500, the Thursday nighters and the Monday nighters, I believe. Oh, okay, CBS 1500, because yeah. the Thursday night football games are on Amazon Prime. Call Gary. He'll give you his uh, password. Well, everybody should – Chris is the only person I really know that has – I have it available here, but you have it. So let's all get together at Chris's house. We'll give out the address on our website, and we'll all show up at Chris's place. Just, you know. You know what? I don't have air conditioning. It's so hot over <laughs> here. You don't want to come over here. Okay, uh, scratch anyway, that. We, we were talking about the tipping culture getting out of hand. <laughs> and uh, here's one. Animals, a tip on tipping. First of all, tips is – to ensure proper service. It's an acronym, he says. <clears throat> I don't agree with that because it's a tip on how can you you tip at the end of the meal. So you're not insuring anything when you tip after the meal is presented. Well, because that's why you make sure you have proper service so you can get that tip. Anyway, uh, regarding tipping a hotel housekeeper, uh, the recommendation is if you're the kind of tipper who leaves a tip, on the day you check out, it just might be the housekeeper will clean your room on checkout day. Might have been the housekeeper who cleaned your room. The... Oh, I, I wondered that, that too. I wondered okay, that. so the texter says if you only tip on on the day you check out, you might be giving that person who only cleaned your room once $40 when you stayed there for four days. That's a good point. You learn something new. I learn something new every day. Thank you for that text uh, at 808-296-1420. And uh, the Zephyr Insurance text line is uh, open. And let's see. Here's a text. We're talking about recruiting for University of Hawaii football. Recruits get drawn to coaches' facilities, resources. UH does not have good resources, facilities. We have good coaches. But I think if you're comparing what we have with the other Mountain West schools, I, from what I've heard over the years, it's probably very comparable. You know, nowadays at least. Maybe not. You know, at least we have soap in the locker room. You know, you have a lot more than you had 20 years ago. But we're not comparing it with USC and Alabama and Pac-12 schools. We're not going to have the facilities they do. But well, from what I've heard from like guys like Bobby or Steven, I think over the years, uh, it's not that much different with what we have at what other Mount conference schools ha- uh, in the Mountain West has. So, you know. I think that's a fair comment, but, again, yeah, it's hard to that, recruit against those Power 5 schools and get the same benefits or resources or facilities that The they biggest have. problem, I think, one of the biggest problems we have, well, stadium-wise, uh, we have a baby stadium, and, and Colorado State has a beautiful facility. Doesn't seem to matter, does it, right now? Right. Does right. it really matter? No, it doesn't matter. But I think what we, I think the thing that we have going against us is the distance. I think in all sports, that comes down to it. If Hawaii was... An hour away from California, it'd be a much different story than five hours away. People right? drive to their sites of their friends and family members, their sons and daughters. It's easy to it's, drive from Oregon to California, not not here. It's a lot. It's yet. a lot more expensive to get back home if you're five hours away. Anyway, let's talk sports with Kanolehi coming up at noon, and then we've got Josh after the Yankees game on ESPN Honolulu.